Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now episode of Creators Outlet, episode 134 to be exact, brought to you, of course, by our friends over at the Inked Marketing Team. If you need a little extra help with your Kickstarter or Indiegogo, contact Kevin Gillette over at Inked Marketing and see what they can do for you. 30 plus years in the business. Speaking of Inked Marketing and Kickstarter, we want to bring your attention to the Kickstarter that is live right now, titled Another Me for First Time Creators from Armenia. For more on that, you can actually go through the playlist of Creators Outlet on the YouTube channel and watch the interview we had. But you can watch the world burn in this psychological thriller. We have to warn you right from the start. It's Dark Madness. Come out and support these first-time creators and grab your copy at inked.pub forward slash another me. And now we welcome RJ from Critical Blast to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Will. Appreciate the invite. I, I almost introduced the show as Critical Blast. I go, oh, no, that's not my show. That's his show. <laughs> you're, reading, you're reading the logo. Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's a it's 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 a wonderful birthday present to be a guest on somebody else's show instead of having to run my own tonight. I get to relax and just kind of keep my hands off the controls now. Just just relax and uh, enjoy. Exactly. So uh, I figure we'll we'll talk about a whole bunch of stuff tonight and uh, and geek out a little bit probably. Uh, but I of course uh, like I told you in the pre-show, I want to start off by. Uh, talking about everything that you you've done to help hundreds if not thousands of creators overseas get their product to the to the US at at better shipping rates for oh, both well. people here in the states and the creators themselves but let, 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 let's start out by being honest here uh, I, I did this to help me uh, 
I'm sure. Well, I want to get my books cheaper. So exactly. what can I do? What can I do? Plus, I can make money at it. Uh, but I've I've interviewed enough people, and every time I interview a creator, will uh, my superpower is spending other people's money. Uh, so I'll have somebody on say, "Hey, you know this shot you got right here? This would make a great sticker. Have you got stickers on your uh, campaign?" Or, you know, here, th this vertical panel here would be a great bookmark. Do you have bookmarks in your campaign? Do you know who to talk to for bookmarks? Hey, this would make a great action figure. It's already 3D. It's already got rotation. Why don't you go talk to this guy who prints 3D figures? And they do it. They, they go out and they put these things on their campaigns. Uh, but I started talking with folks in the UK and folks in, you know, Australia and Canada. And I'd be like, man, this is a great book. What's the shipping on this? Like, well, we can't do anything about the shipping because, you know, the you know, rates are what they are. That's one thing we can't control. And I start to say, yeah, have you ever thought about, and it's like this little thing, mini me hopped up on my shoulder and said, will you shut up? This one's yours. <laughs> you can do this one yourself. <laughs> uh, and I just, I, I took like a weekend and started crunching numbers because I'm a 30 year IT guy. Uh, I've worked in several different industries and many of them have been logistics industries. So I, I know enough of the business to be dangerous. Uh, and I started crunching the numbers. They're like, okay, well, what would it take to get books uh, from from the UK to me uh, for redistribution. What would it take to get them from Australia? That can't be right because that's way too cheap. Uh, and I, you know, I ran the numbers past other people in the business who, you know, knew stuff. I'm like, what am I missing here? And they're like, uh, well, you know, nothing that we can see except me. You might be, you know, not paying yourself enough. Um, like, but all I'm doing is putting something in a box. I think I'm paying myself. If you're happy with it, fine. So, so yeah, we launched it. Uh, we've got. Um, we launched it for international creators, Will, because the whole point was to make the shipping cost cheaper so that they could sell more books. Uh, mm -hmm. Too many people were seeing these great books, $20 book. Yeah, we'll pay $20 for a book. We wouldn't do it at the comic store, but we'll do it in crowdfunding. Uh, no problem. But, you know, then it was like $25 shipping. We're like, oh, no, nope, nope. I can't justify that. I'm, I'm out. Uh, People were backing away, but uh, and I'll I'll share one right here if you'll uh, allow me the privilege right of doing so. This was our very first client. Uh, this is the company men, Dead White and Blue. Uh, this is coming from Black Fire, Black Prior Press, but you probably know him better as uh, the man called Kimasabi. Oh yeah. Uh, this this is his book. It's a gorgeous book. Uh, it's a it's the kind of book that you know. People would have looked at it and said, I want that book, but I can't afford that shipping. So mm -hmm. if you, I'm going to go past the digital copy because we know what digital shipping is. There's uh, <laughs> nothing for that. Yeah. So here's the issue, number one, physical and the digital. It's a $23 in US dollars. And we're like, okay, well, I want to get that. Uh, let me see. I'm going to get that perk. Just to see, you know, how much I would have to really pay the arm and the leg for shipping on this thing. It's probably going to kill me. Uh, calculate that shipping. I'm in the United States. Wait a second. Th th something's wrong here because it's only $10 US to ship it. The shipping is actually cheaper than the book, which is the way it's supposed to be, I think. Uh, and it's comparable to what you'd pay domestically to ship a book. Mm -hmm. And because of that, he's got 200, he's got over 280 backers closing in on 380 backers, and he's getting ready to ship this thing. He made close to uh, $9,000 on this. Uh, and, and, and not to toot my horn too much, but 
I don't know that he would have made that much if the shipping had been the $25 that it normally would have been. Yeah, like uh, who, who was in my chat the other week? Oh, yeah, uh, Bristoli and Dave. Because uh, we would talk, we it was it was during the day, uh, so it was all it was all people from Australia and the UK, and you know a, a few of us people that were like you know in between reading comic books for that day, you know including myself, and he was like he goes how I choose whether or not I buy a book is if the book and the shipping are the same price. It's a hard pass, and I won't buy digital. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've run into a lot of people who only buy digital, but they definitely won't buy the book if the shipping is the same or more. Uh, and, and, and I can't blame them, but, you know, a lot oh, of yeah. people didn't have a choice. It was, um, you know, basically what it boiled down to is that it's cheaper for somebody overseas to send 100 books in one box than it is to send a hundred books in a hundred boxes. Uh, and, and by doing that and by bringing it directly to me, and then what we do is, you know, we, I'm gonna back it up just a little bit. If somebody wants to use our service, we really want them to talk to us before they launch their campaign. Mm -hmm. Because you know, after you've launched, you've already got your shipping rates in there and they're, they're locked and you, we're not helping you the way that we really could. Um, we're going to ask you about your book. We're going to ask you about your tiers. Uh, we're going to say, you know, how big is your book? T tell us about your book. And we've had them launch into, well, it's about this and this and, you know, these things. I'm like, no, 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 no. Post office doesn't care what the story's about. Uh, how thick is your book? What are the dimensions on it? What else are you going to be shipping with it? Uh, are you going to be shipping anything that's not media? Uh, because, you know, we have to talk about different rates there. And the very, the very first word in customer, Will, is custom. And we have to custom the shipping costs for each of your tiers so that you know what you're going to be putting out. Uh, and then we, you know, even give you the wiggle room to adjust when you decide that, oh, my God, we funded so, so high up, we need to throw a stretch goal in there. Uh, that's going to increase the weight. Well, we'll have that built in already where we're expecting that weight to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> and it's, it's been fun. Now, we're getting ready to uh, all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we've done this for three four months now since we've kicked it off, talked with a lot of people, consulted with a lot of people, books are starting to arrive. <laughs> and now it's becoming a real thing. So what we do is when, when your books arrive here, we don't even open them. We, we, we basically contact you, say, your box is here. Let's schedule a stream. We get on StreamYard without broadcasting. And I open it right there in front of you. And I'm like, here we go. Yes, they're all in mint condition. Uh, or Look, it looks like an elephant sat on them. You saw me open it. Um, it wasn't me. That's my, my only CYA is that right there. Mm -hmm. um, and then we know we, we make sure that what's in the box is what you say is in the box. If you say you sent us 100 books and I count 80, we have a problem. <laughs> uh, ideally, we're going to have more than what you're shipping. And I'll, I'll get into that uh, a little bit, just a little bit later here real soon. Uh, but once we've got that figured out, you still haven't sent us any money yet. You just sent us the books. We get the spreadsheet for uh, for the Indiegogo. Uh, we can also get the spreadsheet for the Kickstarter. We can get them both. If you ran it on both, uh, we we just we just did um, 
not the fulfillment, but we help somebody with their pack lists and their mailing lists to get everything going uh, as a consultancy job on the side for this thing called Florida Man. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so, yeah. So the Florida Man stuff came through us, not the books, just the data. Because, as, as I said, I'm an IT guy. I'm a database programmer. And uh, when, when Indiegogo and Kickstarter started throwing add-ons on things, it really complicated the spreadsheets. So I take those spreadsheets in. I merge all that data together into single rows. I throw it into an access database. Uh, I actually throw it into a SQL Server database, which if you're an IT geek, you know what SQL Server is. Uh, and then ultimately back into spreadsheets again that our clients can, well, in this case, our client can run it up through whatever mail server they're going to print labels from uh, and send them out. We're going to obviously do it ourselves. We're printing the labels here. Uh, but once we get all that data, we're going to look at it and say, how many of this particular set did you make? How many of this particular set? And that's including all the add-ons. We count up all the unique permutations. And then we make one of each. And we weigh it. And we calculate the postage, the exact postage for it. And we say, okay, we got 10 that are going to cost this, 70 that are going to cost this, 20 that are going to cost this. Now send us money. And that's when they, they send us the money. We print the labels. The labels uh, generate an email to the backer with the tracking mm -hmm. number. And it goes out and they know exactly when it went out and where it is every step of the way, which is something you can't get from an international package. Once it once it reaches once it leaves the country of origin, you've lost sight of it. By sending it here, you know when it left our offices and when it's going to arrive on your doorstep. Yeah, because I just had uh, Mike Mike Jimmy just uh, just shipped me out a piece of original art he did for me. Oh, uh, Legend of um, Life on Cora. Life on Cora, yeah, yeah. We're, um, we're going to be doing Life on Cora number four. Oh, that book looks amazing. He 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 lucked out with that color. He's got a hope that that uh, you know no publisher with deep pockets like sees that work because <laughs> they'll they'll go after her in oh, a yeah. heartbeat. Because wow, I'm just like you well, know. He does a unique thing with his colors too because he's got this blue green sun. So he's like, hey, there's not going to be any reds or yellows in the in the palette. So mm -hmm. remove them. <laughs> and and I love that. And I was going to originally back the book, and then I heard him mention on one of the many streams he's been on that once he gets to X amount of floppies out, he's going to make a trade. And I'm like, will there be a hardcover? He goes, yeah, that'll cost more to ship. I go, don't care, like hardcovers. <laughs> won't cost that much more to ship if he goes through us. Yeah. It'll cost um, more to print. Yeah, I mean, I paid him, I I think he, he only charged me like 35 euros. Well, that's not bad. Uh, for the, and he, he did a joker piece because um, he, he made a post and he was having some tax issues. <laughs> And uh, being, you know, being uh, somebody in the arts and, and work, working in that field, plus like a regular job, he used to be able to 
to file a certain thing. Right. And after he filed all that, they're like, oh, no, sorry, we got rid of that. You owe us more money now. So he's like, well, I need to open up my commissions because I need to get money. So I immediately set up a stream and 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 took them took them live on a stream. We got a bunch of people in there, and uh, he goes, "What should I draw?" I go, mm, "Joker." How about Caesar Romero? Uh, I don't have a Caesar yet. Oh, you're a Joker fan, sixty nine, and you don't have a Caesar Romero Joker. I have one that was supposed to be mailed to me by Sean Howe uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I'll shoot him a message. I'll shoot him a message later on and go, hey, dude, how's my package? He'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I do have, I've got a couple here. I've got a couple of lots here. Uh, I have others around. I actually have Cesar Romero's autograph. On oh, a picture, nice. On a picture of him from as, as, the, as the Joker. Uh, this is a Joker piece from the very first, uh, from 2013, from the very first Rhode Island Comic Con, uh, by Ken Hunt that used to do some Batman work at DC. Ooh, pencils that's, that's only. A good Joker, yeah. And it's staying that way. And this is Alex Cormanch who in 2015, the last comic event that I went to before I ended up in my coma, uh, he was there and the store hired him to draw, do free sketches for everybody. They weren't expecting as many people as, as, as they had show up. Um, and then he was like, goes, and then the, the manager went over and goes, uh, not one per person, one per family. Yeah. And my daughter caved uh, and, and said, no, daddy, let him draw a joker for you. So he goes, well, which joker? And I'm like, uh, how about like Jerry Robinson style? And that's what I got. That's a very cool one too. Yeah, I've got a couple. I got a couple others around here somewhere in the twenty three hundred square foot area with stuff piled everywhere. I I went nuts going through digging through my collection trying to find because I know I bought the four issues that made up the story arc. And West Coast Avengers to tr to find that stupid four issue forty five so I could sell it while people were still buying it. Uh, never found it. Gave up looking before I get to the very end of the collection, but I got about a hundred boxes. So they're they're kind of like everywhere. But I found most of my Dakar Star Wars, and everybody wants to buy them, but they'll go from asking for this issue and this issue from this series. To this one, to this one, to that one. Oh yeah, I'm like cherry pick them. I'm like, well, yeah, but they're not buying anything. You know, they'll be like, well, I want Knights of the Old Republic number one and Legacy two and five. 
what do you want for those? I go, well, why don't you make me an offer and, and don't lowball me because I'll just block you because I ain't got, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and he's like, well, one place is charging 25 for Knights issue one and the other place down the street from them is charging 75. <laughs> nice, not nice range there. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'd be happy to meet you in the middle. Yeah, we, we, to which point he says, well, why don't I just go to the place down the street to sell it for 25? I go, well, do you know what condition it's in? Because, you know, mine was never read. I just kind of like bagged and boarded them and, and, and put them in there. My, mine are all read. I always read my comics before I put them away. Well, I try. I'm very careful with them. The, the problem is, is I used to, I didn't make a lot of money. Uh, well, to what I get now, I made a lot of money, but uh, I didn't really, you know, after my bills were paid every month, I didn't have anything but pizza, beer, and ice cream to buy. Well, that and gas. Uh, so when I would go in the store and I would see the new arrivals, I would go up to the counter, let me see what I got, get a big fat stack of books, and then look, he goes, oh, you forgot to give me this, you forgot to give me this, you forgot to give me that. Ooh, this looks cool, this looks cool. Yep. And it was like going to, it was like going to like a Costco. You know, you go, oh, I'm just going for, you know, shampoo and razor blades. <laughs> and then, you know, and three, you know, three carts later, and you know, six hundred and fifty dollars. You know, you're like, what the? So I, I never left there like without spending like at least like two and a quarter. Yeah, I was uh, when I was in college and making no money. Uh, I would pay pay my bills, and then after the bills were paid, and I knew how much gas I needed to get to school and work and back. I was like, okay, the rest of this is grocery and comics. What's the minimal amount I can spend on groceries and survive so I can maximize my comics budget? I ate a lot of ramen noodles. I was just going to say. Yeah. Macar macaroni, you could get a box of spiral macaroni and cheese at Cub Food for 19 cents. Um, a pack of hot dogs and a jar of pickle relish. And you could you make, make cut the hot dogs up into your mac and cheese, little, little beanie weenie sizes. Uh, big old tablespoon of pickle relish. And that was good. That lasted a couple of days. I used to do, uh, I used to get like a big, I had a big skillet, like, well, I still have it. I had a big skillet like this with the glass top and everything. And I would buy the, uh, the Purdue chicken starters, like the already pre-cooked and then they, you know, they'd sliced up in strips and like the little bags and everything and flavored. I would throw those in the skillet with, uh, a couple of packages of uh, like brown rice and then like vegetables like uh, like peas and green beans. Oh, you're eating way too healthy for me. That was, you were doing gourmet stuff. And I, would, I wouldn't drain the water out of the beans or the peas because the rice would soak it all up. There you go. I'd put it in there and let it, you know, let it all, let it all cook up. And in, in like 20 minutes, a half hour, um, 
you know, if, if I hadn't been and, and then ended up sitting down and eating a whole pan of it, um, it, that would last me for like almost two weeks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My, my roommate would buy like a bag of uh, potatoes. I'm like, what are you doing with potatoes? He's like, watch. He'd be put it in a Ziploc bag, throw it in the microwave and pop it. He'd have, he'd have baked potato every night with, with toppings. Like it's genius. He's like, I'm only paying 50 cents for dinner tonight. That's crazy. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I actually found like a few packs of uh, ramen noodles still here. I can't eat them because I'm I'm diabetic now. And, oh yeah, the salt content would kill you now. Oh yeah, I'm like I already I already have to wear leg wraps for uh, for swelling and stuff. I'm like I go I'm, I'm all my numbers are pretty good, so I'm like keeping that way. Yeah. Nope. Go. Uh, when my daughter gets bored. Uh, she won't tell me what she's not eating anymore until she gets here. And of course that's what was bought for her to eat while she's here. <laughs> oh, I can't, you know, she would, I would make her like a full breakfast, like egg, sausage, toast, juice, everything. And then like 15 minutes later, she comes back out of her room and she's throwing chicken nuggets in the microwave. At like ten o'clock. What are you doing? It's ten o'clock in the morning. You just ate enough to, to uh, for three people. It's like, oh, I'm still hungry. So now oh, she's sick of the chicken nuggets, and they, you know, she can only have like three or four of them. After that, uh, they don't sit well. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, because probably because you've been eating like forty pounds of them a week for like you know ten years now. Uh, she's she you know she's she's in college she's got that you know the sophomore spread is coming upon uh when when the appetite increases oh no no she's just she's only turning 13 next month oh my god well that's yeah. a totally different appetite yeah now, my, my boy just turned 13 and he was like the pickiest eater uh since the day he was born we had to shove food in his mouth and and now it's like you know the, the fridge is always empty <laughs> he's just he's a vacuum cleaner she used to try everything and now she won't try anything. She's convinced herself that she has uh, a texture thing going on. So uh, she won't eat, she won't eat a tomato, but she will do anything short of actually drinking a bottle of ketchup. Uh, I go, what do you think it is? I goes, yeah, I know, but it's I don't like the, the way it, it's not the same. I don't like the way it feels. You go, I'm like, oh. I go, well, this is real chicken opposed to the stuff that they put in chicken nuggets. And she's like, well, no. It's not the, it's got, it's not the pre-chewed chicken. It's, it's got, yeah, it's, it's not the gizzards. It's got to have the bread stuff on it. I go, and then she'll eat those and then she'll, She'll turn around and she'll she'll make that up, and she'll make like a you know a thing of fry you know fries or uh, you know scalloped potatoes, put like big scoops on the on the plate, and then build the build the chicken strips around that. And then she'll put three or four slices of bread on top of the chicken strips because she's gonna go sit down and make sandwiches out of the chicken strips and then eat the potatoes. I'm okay. Like, hey, I'm like. I go. You know how your father got fat from sitting <laughs> from sitting down with a 
with a loaf of bread, a jar of mustard, and three pounds of cheese. <laughs> She's like, I used to do that. I go, I know. We, I've been down this road. I recognize these landmarks. <laughs> you know, I already know because, you know, the, the road map is tattooed on my stomach, not by my choice. <laughs> so you've been doing this whole thing for a few months. So they're sending you a box of comics the same way Diamond or another distributor would send you a box of comics. It's, it's well, Diamond doesn't send me any comics. Of course, they would send well, them to like a retailer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically being a mini Diamond in, in more ways than one, Will. Uh, because here's, here's the thing. Once I started this whole international shipping business, I, I was, I'm, I'm very tunnel visioned kind of person. Uh, and, and I had the good fortune of speaking with uh, people who are more broad-minded in business than I am when I showed them my business plan, because and I, and I knew they were, because I wanted them to pick it apart and tell me why it wasn't going to work, because it it couldn't be right, because it looked good. And and, and they verified that it was. And, and they were, of course, saying, you know, RJ, why are you thinking so small? Uh, and, and one of the things that um, they brought up is that when somebody ships you a hundred, when somebody has a hundred books to fulfill, they should send you 150, which, you know, makes sense because you're going to have returns, you're going to have damages. Uh, and why should they send you another box of books to replace those books when, if you've already got them, you can take care of it right there and save them, you know, the, the, the reship money. And then those customers would have to wait X amount of time before they exactly. get the books because they're coming from such a long distance. Yeah. Exactly. But, but more than that, Beyond that, there's the there's another potential. Say I've got you know, and I'm just going to share this screen here uh, because this is the other thing we're doing. The first five customers that we signed on, first five clients, they're going to have their um, their their Gemini mailers slipped in a plastic bag that will be sealed shut to protect it from getting wet. Uh, so. This is the this is what the front of the bag is going to look like for the people who get red eyes number two. That's going to be sitting on your doorstep. Um, people who get the embrace are going their bag is going to look like that. Uh, people who bought the company men that's their bag. I take the logo and their front cover and I mesh things around and design it all up so that you know. And then you know they're getting it for free, uh, basically so they can say you know I'll, and it'll become an option afterwards for new clients. I'm like, do you want a bag? Uh, to protect your Gemini mailer, and do you want it to have your company uh, information on it like that? And then I'll then I'll upcharge for that, basically to cover the cost of the bag. Um, but now, quick question. Yes, I saw you had the embrace. Yes, but Michael wrote the embrace, but the artist is over there. So is it is it getting printed over there and then sent this way? No, it's getting printed in America and being sent this way, which is something I wasn't even considering. Uh, I, I've had, you know, and, and Michael's not the first person to do this, to come and say, hey, we want you to uh, ship our book. And I said, you're in the States. I'm not saving you any money. Uh, it, in fact, it's going to cost you more money to go through me than to do it yourself. And they're like, RJ, you don't understand. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> this is this is three weeks that I can spend on my next book that I'm not stuffing stuff in boxes. And I'm like, well, okay then. 
let's do it. <laughs> and, and I started, you know, doing some of the domestic stuff. I've got, uh, you know, we work through the numbers with some international shippers where it's like, you know, this is what, let's, let's figure out how much it's going to cost you to ship it to me. And then we'll take, that's the first half. And then we figure out what it's going to take me to ship it to them. And that's the second half. We calculate your number. I'm like, I'm not going to ship it to you. I'm going to print in the U.S. and have the printer deliver it to you. I'm like, oh, and then you're going to break. So they're getting their, that gets their shipping down even further because they don't have that uh, initial cost of getting it to me that they've got to divide out among the books. So, mm -hmm. so that's, you know, another thing we're doing. A perfectly viable option if you don't have anything like signed books or trading cards or prints that you have to have done local to where you are. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll be, we are handling domestic shipping, uh, domestic printers. We're handling the internationals. And then we've got this. I'm going to have all these overprints. I'm going to have copies of the Embrace. I'm going to have copies of Red Eyes. I'm going to have copies of the Company Men. At which point will I do this? Um, trying to stop the sharing here so I can. I do this. I start sending emails to every comic shop in the United States and letting them know what my inventory is, what I have of low print run, crowdfunded import comics, and how many of them do you want? So that you can get for your shop three copies of the Embrace, two copies of the Company Men, one copy of Red Eyes. Shipped in one box, not each one in its own box. I'm not diamond. I don't do that. Uh, so you, <laughs> you, you, get the, you get the shipping reduced down to an a la carte selection of books. Uh, there'll be an upcharge on the books because the crowdfunding is over. Uh, so, you know, you're, you, you didn't get it crowdfunded. You're going to have to pay an upcharge. Dirk, send me the money for the books. I'll send them the books. I send the original money for the books back to the creator. Creator says, I didn't get any more orders. I'm like, yeah, you did. You got them through me. Here's your money for your book. Money you weren't expecting because you didn't know you sold it. And then, you know, I, I keep the couple of bucks up charge because it's, you know, out of print. So I'm selling it at a higher premium and I make the money on the uh, shipping. That's where we're going to be a mini diamond. Now we're going to start supplying comic shops. And that's where it's going to really start taking off, I hope. And I know, you know, everyone's talking about like, well, you know, the, the traditional comic industry failed and that's why we're crowdfunding. We're delivering it directly to the consumer. Yes, that's a great revolution. I love that idea. From the creator to the consumer, direct line. You can't tell me there's not a single one of those guys that wouldn't love to see their book on a shelf next to Batman and Spider-Man anyway. The problem with that is... Look... You, you brought you brought up earlier the fact that we don't want to go into our local comic shop and have to pay five bucks for the new issue of Batman. Exactly. But for some unbeknownst reason, we're more than happy to pay 25 bucks for a 48-page book that's crowdfunded. This is true. Plus, a, you know, if it's a U.S. book... Plus another ten dollars shipping. Yes, but you know what happens is that these are low print run books. So when when you when your uh, when your cyber frog word of mouth gets out, or you know, well, let's, let's not go with cyber frog because it's already too well known of a topic, and there's too many of them being sold to be considered low print run. Um, 
Well, the, originals, the originals were low print run. Exactly. The originals were, well, yeah, the original originals were, were really low print run. Yeah, I got them. I found them when I was going through boxes. Oh, you lucky. <laughs> but um, Monster MD. Monster MD just, just mm -hmm. delivered. Uh, now people are going to start reading it. They're going to have the books in their hands. Word of mouth is going to get out. Holy crap, my friend got one of these Monster MDs. I didn't. It looks good. Where can I get it? Uh, well, guess what? Stores closed. You know, they're not they're not making any more of them. There was a limited number of them. That's what causes the price to go up. So, you know, the, the fact that there's it's not your monthly Batman title. It's five dollars. It's something that's been printed. It's out of print, technically. And you're seeking a back issue at a back issue price. So so while we don't want to get our our monthly mainstream issues at the high price when we're not getting any quality and we're not getting any stories we like. Uh, the crowdfunded stuff is more boutique. It's mm -hmm. it's it's higher end. You know, it's we're not going to pay seventy five dollars for a t shirt at Walmart that says Gildan in the back of it. We will pay one hundred and twenty five dollars for a t shirt at Tommy Hilfiger because it's different. It's not the mass market stuff. It's the boutique experience and the uniqueness of the item. Well, I wouldn't pay that much for a shirt. Well, I wouldn't either, but yeah, somebody is. Well, I <laughs> I say that, but, you know, being the fat guy, I used to have to pay 50 bucks for the cool T-shirts at, at Casual Mail, so. And, and, and you wouldn't pay 50 bucks for a T-shirt from Walmart that fit because, yeah, that's Walmart. You know, they, they print those, they, they make them every month, the, the basic stuff. That's, that, that's your Batman. That's your Spider-Man. Nothing not, special about it. Not just that, but the five X shirts at Walmart are actually three X because they all come from China, and uh, the the ones I get in the fat guy store are actually, yeah, well, you know, the right what, the right size. What in Walmart doesn't come from China? China Walmart's phrase isn't made in the USA. It's bringing it home to the USA. Bringing it from where? <laughs> it's got to be coming from somewhere if they're bringing it home to the USA. Yeah, the slow boat. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So you're you're doing fulfillment for people like Michael, who's too lazy to do it himself. That's right, I said it. <laughs> and uh, every service industry is made for the people who are too lazy to do whatever that service is themselves. And man, I know that because man, am I freaking lazy. McDonald's is made for people who are too lazy to fry up hamburger at home. Yeah, but at least the hamburger you fry up at home is actually hamburger. Yes, and we're still too lazy to do it. We would rather eat something that's hamburger-esque. Yeah, some something that you'll find out three years from now has been plant-based for like 37 years or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that's how do you how do you think we got it on a dollar menu? We weren't going to give you like real meat for that. Come on, we've been we've been three D printing these things in the back room every night. <laughs> oh man! So you've you've got a few uh, you get a few domestic people, and you're getting you're getting more and more uh, international interest. We're getting more and more. We got uh, we got people who are uh, contracting with us to come from Canada. Uh, we're talking with a team in Mexico. Uh, we've talked with more more domestic people. They're saying, yeah, this book is going to go through you when it's done. I'm like, great, cool. Let's talk about the shipping and get it all set up when you're ready to go. Um, 
And, you know, if you don't, it, some people say, well, we don't want to do the whole thing, but we want to uh, get your expertise in putting this stuff together. You know, we do the consulting like we did for Florida Man, where we just we just did the packing list. We mm-hmm. you know got the data. We turned that all into an 800 page packing list of, you know, each each page was a unique person and they were sorted uh, by, you know, each set. So it's like, you know, OK, these first 10 pages are all the same thing. Give that to this guy. These next 30 pages are all the same thing. Give that to this guy. And then it's just like pack, zip, zip, slip, put it in there, close it up, label it now. Um, so, you know, so this, there's a consulting service that's available too. Uh, we're just now, you, you know, criticalblast.com was nothing more than a website to do reviews so that I could get free DVDs uh, and, and just just watch free DVDs and, and read free comics. Um, and then by virtue of the YouTube channel where we started talking with creators about comics, we, got, we grew into Critical Blast Logistics. And at the same time, we grew into Critical Blast Publishing. You know, we're a book publisher. We've got uh, a, a superhero young adult novel out there and two fantasy anthologies that are on, on the Amazon market under the Critical Blast Publishing umbrella. Uh, and because of I, that... I, I saw that and I went to your specific Twitter page. So like when I, when I, you know, I type it in, I click on it and it brings me from, you know, a multiple page directly in front of you. And for no apparent reason, a whole bunch of balloons went up in the air. Uh, that's because today was my birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm 54 for, you know, so all the balloons are showing up every time the pro- profile gets pulled up. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yep. Another, I, another I, trip around. I, I'm, I'm thrilled because that means you're a couple of years older than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm a couple of years older than a lot of people now at this point. Wish pops. <laughs> <laughs> like, <clears throat> I'm probably I'm probably a little older than pops even. Uh, but, but yeah, but. But because we do the uh, the book publishing thing, uh, I've just started announcing another service because I've read and it's I've been backing crowdfunding books for a while, and by virtue of you know you back, they make you wait. Now I'm at the point where things are starting to come in all the time. I'm like, oh, I've got actual things in my hands, and I read them, and I have found something else that these crowdfunding folks need: editors. Editors. And I've been a professional editor for the past 20 years, uh, first with my work at thetrades.com when I was working there for a good 14 years. Uh, and then when they closed up, I'm like, well, I'm not done yet. So I created Critical Blast on my own uh, and was started doing the same thing, only now I was paying for the bills. Um, on top of that, I'm, you know, we, we've published these books. I've written books myself that have been published. I'm the writer on the, the Remo Williams, the Destroyer series right now. So, you know, I've, 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 I've been around. I've, I've got the cred. I've got the, you know, I, I can do editing. Uh, so I'm offering editing services. What are the rates? I don't know. How big is your book? We will talk. Uh, so if you have a crowdfunded book that you want to have somebody give a once over, um, I, I, I will say this. I here, here is what happens if you don't get an editor. I had a hardcover book sent to me from Scholastic for review purposes, hardcover graphic novel. Uh, and I was reading the thing and it got to a point in there where I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Was not a spelling error, was not a grammar error. The story quit making sense. 
It's like, well, this is a weird place to flash forward and then flash back and then flash forward. Oh, no, that's not what's happening at all. These pages are printed out of order. That's not something you're going to get from scanning a Word document for red underlines. Uh, so I went back to the publicist. I'm like, these are advanced reader copies, right? Because this is a problem. And they're like, oh, yes, thank you for pointing that out. We will get that fixed. I'm like, oh, good. Then I interviewed the, the author. And after the show, he's like, oh, yeah, I got my hardcover of the version here, too, you know, right before it goes on sale. I'm like, oh, yeah, was that the ARC copy that had the uh, mispage, you know, the, the pages misprinted? And he looks, he says, oh, that was you. Those were not advanced reader copies. They pulped 40,000 copies of the book because you pointed out that the pages were printed out of order. That an editor who knows graphic novel format and comics would have and should have caught and somebody lost their job. So this is why you want an editor who understands comics. I've been reading comics since I was four years old. I knew how to read at four years old. I didn't tell anybody. I thought everybody could. It, it, I didn't know it was something that I was not supposed to be able to do. It wasn't until I was in first grade, Will, that, you know, I'm sitting here. And I've told this story before. I'm sitting in class and the teacher has the, the, the great big cardboard thing up here. It's like 1975, no, 72. 1973. Um, she's holding up the big placard and the big pictures and the great big bold face words that are all, you know, easy to read. And she's reading along. and I'm like, okay, let me practice tying my shoes here. Or, you know, what's this crawling up my pant leg here? Um, oh, look, a bird. And she finally, I, I look around, she's right in front of me. She's like, would you like to read to the class? Now, I'm six years old in first grade. I don't understand sarcasm. I, granted, I had a smart mouth on me, but adults didn't do that. So I sat up and I said, plants create energy through a process called photosynthesis in which they absorb sunlight through cells uh, that produce chlorophyll. Second grade reading class right then. <laughs> because they're like, oh, shit, he can read. Um, and... <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, all those words, they, they were in the last Flash comic when he fought the, you know, the Floronic Man. And, uh, and Poison Ivy does the same stuff in Gotham City all the time, because I learned it all from comic books. Uh, so, so, you know, I know how to read a comic book, and I know when a comic book is going off the rails or when now, misspellings and grammar definitely jump out at me. Uh, and, and we've had some, you know, books that have come out from well-known people in the industry, in the in the crowdfunding industry, that is like every single page had horrible, horrible writing uh, mistakes on it, and the guy knows it, and he's going to get an editor. Uh, hopefully, it'll be me. But you know, at the time, it wasn't something that we were offering. But yeah, th they know they're going to get an editor. Two of the most important things to have when you're making a comic. Is an editor and a really good letterer. Oh, yeah. Lettering is a thankless art. If you do it right, nobody notices it. If you do it wrong, you're horrible at it. Mm -hmm. Because you, you never want to skip and be like, well, I'm just going to try to do it myself. Yeah. No. And, and, and don't don't think you're just going to type it up in some sort of a font that looks comic booky because that 
also looks like it got cut and paste right into the word balloon. The, the perfect editor is the invisible man. Mm -hmm. And also never use comic sans. Oh God. Why did they even call it comic sans? It looks nothing like a comic, comic. I know, style. But because it said comic, I would use that font on everything. Of course. And, and, and now it's got a horrible reputation in the industry. Like don't use comic sans. I'm like, I, can you read the words? Yes, but well then, there you go. You rather I use trebuchet or Times New Roman, or and, and I collect fonts because I I, 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 I do you know uh, I try to do a video thumbnail card for everybody I interview, and I like to uh, find letters that match the style of their book. So you know, if they've got a scary book, I've got all these different scary fonts. They've got a superhero book, I've got you know. Avengers fonts and Justice League fonts and stuff like that. I have fun with PowerPoint and making stuff. I'm, I'm a geek that way. I'm not an artist, but I'm a fairly good art director. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually friends with, uh, with the guy that uh, created Blambot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Nate Delivering Pico. software. Yep. Uh, Nate Picos. Uh, was actually a customer at my local comic shop for years and years. And I worked there on and off, uh, you know, especially when I was, you know, not putting in that many hours or, you know, I'd get fired from one of the clubs I was working at and I'd be like, well, I'm not going to be able to get my job back for about a week. Uh, what were you doing at clubs? Uh, I was, uh, I was a DJ at, at nudie bars for 30 plus years oh the fringe benefits literally fr literally fringe benefits sometimes yeah it was it, it was a dark path but it uh it paid well yeah so so so, so you just you did, do you get flashbacks if i do like our ladies dance for your tips and your tips only and on stage three alice no because if if they weren't good looking enough to get a guy to give them money without me saying anything you know, uh, well, it, it, in Arkansas, they don't hire them. Uh, they're not employees. So they have to remind people that they dance for your tips and your tips only. They don't get paid by the club to be there. Uh, uh, they, they don't appear either. OK. Uh, don't ask me how I know that. There's one club. I won't. <laughs> you were you, you must have been editing the dinner menus or something. I, I was. Absolutely. Actually, I interviewed one. I was like, I might have a stripper in a book. I had I had this. I had the lady talking to me for like you know an, an hour, uh, because I'm like, you know, I need to know how this industry works. Uh, why did Why did you get into it? Do were you scared the first time? I was freaking interviewing her, and yeah, well, she was getting that too. Um, it's like twenty twenty dollars in an eight ball will get you a lot. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't getting any of that. I didn't want that. That's not what I came. I came in for information, and I got it. It it caused me to drink a lot more, and I'm Scotch Irish, so oh, I'll just <laughs> I'll just leave that at that. So you know, are you an alcoholic? No, I'm a professional. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it was just I mean, until the last place I worked, and I was fired there from like seven different times. Uh, but you weren't considered a real employee unless you got fired at least once. Um, 
And they're like, well, maybe you can go back and do something that I go, no, I can't. I go, all the medical problems I have now and all the meds I'm on, I'm like, you know, I never know when my sugar is going to spike and I'm going <clears> to, <throat> you know. So it, you know, it just, it's just one of those things. I'm I go, feeling a little tired here. I better throw on in a Gata DeVita. <laughs> Let her dance her legs off. Oh, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I wanted to punch somebody. Well, I'm getting a twenty dollar lap dance. Can you put on like Anagata the Veter or uh, Master of Puppets or something? Like uh, American Pie. <laughs> no. Why not? I go. Are you kidding? They don't want to. They don't want to dance for. For, for like three minutes, never mind 30 minutes. <laughs> can, you, can you put on Zeppelin side two? <laughs> Zeppelin four side two? Oh, God. I used, I used to put on... Uh, Anything by yes? <laughs> like, oh, pfft, hold on. I, I, was, I was working at a very ghetto place. And... A lot of most, well, all the girls hated me there. <laughs> oh, uh, nice of them. One, because, okay. well, I was white. And uh, and two, because when they pissed me off, I would mix out of a song that they demanded to hear into uh, one of the 12 inch mixes of, you know, one of 12 different, uh, you know, village people songs. <laughs> okay. And uh, and if they really ticked me off, uh, they would get Millie Vanelli. <laughs> and I had all and that place that place uh, had you know every medium possible. Uh, I had I had turntables there and you know cassette decks and CD players and the guy was you know the guy was all right with me. The man the manager there was like really cool and he was like he was. There's a music store a couple doors down. Go in there, tell them you work here, and anything you want for here that you think will be good, buy, sign for it, give us the receipt, and, and you're all set. I go, okay, works for me. Yeah. Be, be real nice to you. You're going to be up there dancing to the wheels on the bus. Oh, oh worse. I... <laughs> I got one girl who used to scream her head off every Monday night because wrestling would come on and all the guys would go to the bar and watch wrestling <laughs> and wouldn't pay attention to them. Goes, so so all, the, all the guys left the girls with no tops on to watch, about, to watch a bunch of guys with no tops on. Yeah. <laughs> I think they moved better. Uh, and they would get mad and be like, it's all white guys. White guys have money. They like rock. Play rock music. So I started playing rock music. What they didn't know is I was playing the rock and roll entrance themes to wrestlers. Oh, jeez. Just reminding them that, hey, the wrestling's on. We need to go watch. And then they would, the guys would hear and goes, oh, that girl's dancing to Triple H's song. <laughs> and they would go up and give her like five bucks and walk back to the bar. It was a lot of fun. Oh, I'd have too much fun, I think. No, I'd be 
I'd be too self-conscious, I think, too. Like, I'm not looking at you. I'm looking at the record spin around. I wish they they would always have like uh lamps in the DJ booth so you could see what you were doing. I'm like, well, once everything went digital, I didn't need the lamps, I would shut everything off. I want to be able to see like the whole room. Cause I gotta I gotta know what's going on. If you know, if I saw a problem, I'd have to, you know, go out and do something. Oh, you had to bounce. Well, you know, I'm brown, so I bounce no matter what I do. So <laughs> But you know, I would have I would have the the boss would always would usually be hanging out in the kitchen, so I'd have to call I'd have to call the kitchen and be like, "Yeah, you guys might want to get out here." And you know, well, I've I've never seen one of those places yet that was like in 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 the high end, in the high rent district of town with with uh, lots of safety and presence there. It's uh, always it's always so been in industrial areas. Well, yeah, this one's kind of sort of, the last one I worked was kind of sort of industrial area, but you go around the corner and you're on the waterfront with all the nightclubs. Ah, well. And restaurants, so we're like, you know, halfway in between. But, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, you've got all this stuff going on, plus you're doing like, what, like 15 different shows a week or something we we do at least one show a night um every other saturday is you know anything could happen i've done podcast palooza uh, a couple saturdays back we started at 10 o'clock we did a show an hour for 12 hours uh, with with 12 different creators uh and and, and instead and it wasn't one 12-hour stream it was you know okay gotta wrap this one up Killed it, started the next one up. So, that, you know, everybody got their own show. You could, you know, link it out and say, this was my interview right here with a single URL. Mm -hmm. uh, not, not you know, hey, go here and then fast forward to our marker three, three, three and 12. Because um, it, it's easier for the creator. And and that's what it's, yeah, it, I'm, I'm trying to get hours. I'm trying to get watches. I'm trying to get ads. I'm, you know, I'm, making money is nice. But if, if I'm not talking to somebody that interests me, then it's, then it's no fun. And the people who interest me, I love talking to. And I love pushing their books out. I, I have books come up that, you know, if it's not funded and I'm interested in that book, then you'll, you'll see it in my, um, in my Twitter and Facebook. I make it my personal project to get this book funded. Uh, did that with uh, Confederate Monster. Uh, did that with uh, Glenn and Monsterland. It was like, you know, I don't know why this book is not getting more and more attention. Uh, and, and what happens <laughs> invariably, I sit there and I hammer it and I hammer it and I hammer it. And I have them on the show twice. I have them on three times. And then they go on Bancroft and, and it's like, you know, I've never heard of these guys before. Oh, look, they're funded now. <laughs> it's like, damn it. I have people say, I have no idea why more people aren't watching RJ's show. He's he's working so hard on this thing. Like, working is you know relative concept, but uh, <laughs> I, I the, the the only good thing about my show is my guests. Uh, no one wants to hear me talk, but I do pride myself on being able to ask questions about things that maybe don't come up in your standard interviews. Yeah, I try to keep mine mostly uh, 
like, obviously I want to get into, you know, and I go, I'll go through like the, you know, the Kickstarter, but I'll, I'll go, you know, scroll, scroll slowly through it. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and when, when I see pops do one, his ADHD kicks in and he's in the screens going, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, yeah. It's like he's trying to catch a mouse. I'm like, what I, the I hell are you doing? And and you know, you when you get a good guest on, it's it's magic just happens. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you, you've had the interviews where it's like, you know, I, 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 we're twenty minutes in, and I don't know what else to ask this person. And you you ask him, you know, an open question, and you get yes. I'm like, oh, can can you elaborate a little? I was like, okay, this is this is no fun. Uh, but then you yeah. know, you, you get somebody that's, on that's like Travis. <laughs> I don't even have to say a last name. You're you're laughing. You already know who it is. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Uh, but but then you know, you get somebody on like a like um like like an Irene Strakowski, and and you don't want to let them go because it's like you know, there's so much energy and fun in there. Um, and and um, I. I I've had uh, names are not rolling off my tongue right now. I'm surprised Irene's name rolled off, but I think it was because hers was more recent. Uh, Bill Willingham, uh, you know, have him on the show. And it's like you look down and suddenly three hours have gone past. Uh, <laughs> Rich Parada, uh, two and a half hours. Um, yeah, I had uh, uh, Brian K. Vaughn came on. Oh, okay. Yeah. And we were have we were having a grand old time. Not you know, of course you know I'd keep leading back so he could do his typical pulling his pulling his books out and promoting you know running through his like thirty minute promotion spiel, and then we would just you know we were geeking out this that and the other thing. Next thing I know, pops is in the chat yelling at me. Look at your Facebook. Messages, would you? <laughs> I want to come on and ask Brian something. I'm like, oh. And I was just about to cut the stream. We were already at like 2.15. Well, it went for about four, four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> and as long as the guest is up for it, you know, if, if, if you don't close the stream and realize, yeah, he's never coming back, uh, then it's okay. No, he's like, he I had a great time. I'm tired, but I had a great time. I'll definitely come back and do your show, you know, again. It, w- it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, you know. I've got some people I need to reach back out to and have them on again. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for them to, you know, start up a new crowdfunder so that there's something new to talk about. Um, but yeah. and having this kind of a channel, you, you get I get to talk to people now that I wouldn't have got to talk to any other way other than a convention and those have all been killed and and then you're competing with everybody at the same time for the three minutes of conversation you can get mm-hmm. well like i'll go and cover a convention for outright geekery and i only cover the convention for them because uh oh free press passes uh exactly and uh well they'll allow me in early because i'm in the wheelchair uh, and before I'd have that somebody push me because I had nothing but the manual chair, and not many people want that job because like, oh, I got to push your four hundred 
pound bob. <laughs> this 90 degree ramp that goes for like three miles to the next building. Hey, I've hauled I've hauled occupied wheelchairs upstairs before. Uh, back in the day when ramps weren't a thing. Oh, isn't it lovely? Yes. Um, but I covered uh, Rhode Island Comic Con back in 2019, and I got in early. They were, you know, they were still doing like final setup things, and I hung out with Neil Adams for about an hour talking to him. Wow. Uh, then I hung out uh, like three days in a row at different times talking to Graham Nolan, Bill McKay, Joe Rubenstein. Uh, See, I was going to ask who, who's the person that you've talked to that made, made you glad you had this show, but you've already talked to everybody that... Um, well, I I interviewed Graham like a like a few different times before I got the before I got the cam set up, um, but I w I was thrilled to death to meet Neil and even more thrilled that he was still in a good mood at that time. <laughs> yeah. I know the stories. Oh uh, yes, yes. I I've uh, I, I knew a buddy who took his portfolio for review, <laughs> and the tears. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know if I can say on your channel the things that he uh, heard back from from Mr. Adams purportedly. Purportedly, uh, I uh, what was there? Uh, Tom Mandrake, and he he had he he had the the original art from Spectre Number One from back in the nineties behind him. Oh, cool! And I was just like drooling. I've always loved the Spectre, but but for my money, the the best Spectre was the one uh, during the apparel years in Adventure Comics, mm -hmm. uh, when when Jim Corrigan was also a ghost, not some human host for the thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've got the I've got a I've got quite a few of those laying around here somewhere. I was like, he's a ghost, and he still goes to work as a cop, <laughs> and he doesn't breathe, but he just changes his look to be the Spectre when he needs to be. Yeah, it's just you know the the best thing they they've done so far with with the Spectre was that uh, was that animated short. Oh yeah, like about ten years ago, so ago, and I'm like, I want more of this. Why can't we have more of this? Oh, because it was good, and we're gonna go make Batman versus Superman. Okay. Yep. 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 We're going to, uh, you know, do, do some more Flashpoint Paradox uh, animated stuff. And and we're going to make some, some more crappy, uh, you know, CW shows. Oh, well, they're not 100% crappy anymore. Uh, but they've only got the one that's any good. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I, I used to really love watching The Flash uh, when The Flash was on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I, and it only went like three seasons. Um, and then they replaced it with some show called Iris and her amazing friends. Um, yeah, but, but for my money though, I will never ever miss. Yeah. We're, we are the flash. Like what happened on the flash tonight on the flash? Barry knows how to solve a problem, but Iris tells him he's wrong. Barry realizes he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> Barry realizes he's married and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
How does he how does he defeat this villain? Same way he defeated the last villain. He talks to their heart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's the shark. The shark has the shark has not only been jumped, but hopscotch squares have been drawn across its dorsal fin, and they're going back and forth on them. Uh, so, put it out of its misery. However, I will not miss an episode of Stargirl if it's anywhere near as good as the last season was. Oh, no kidding, right? Yeah. I know it's moving to CW, but it's keeping the same creative team. So let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, the CW taint doesn't get on it for at least a few seasons. It, it's moving to CW? Or, well, or are they reversing that and putting it straight up to uh, HBO Max? Um, no, no, it's, 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 it's debuting on CW for sure. Unless it's going to go to HBO max. And then like it did when it was DC, it was like DC. And then the next day was on uh, CW, but that would seem to go against putting it on HBO max if they did that. Yeah. They might, they might just do what they, what they used to do with, uh, what they have been doing with, uh, Netflix, which is, you know, the day, the day after the season wraps, you can binge the whole thing yeah. on Netflix. They might just be like, yeah, we've terminated our agreement with but, Netflix, and it goes but, right to HBO Max. Yeah, but see, season one of Stargirl was a weekly episode on the CW last season. It was, you know, it would, it would air Tuesday on, uh, this, on the DCU streaming services, and then mm -hmm. Wednesday, following that, it was on, uh, on CW. Now, you know, that maybe that's why the DC streaming service didn't last, because uh, they didn't do that with Titans. They didn't do that with Doom Patrol, but they did it with Stargirl. And, no, uh, but what they did with Titans was they did a deal with Netflix UK to put Titans on Netflix UK, but wouldn't allow it to go on Netflix out here. Yeah, but they got they got a, they got a ton of money for show development from Netflix UK to throw into the show, which is where they, you know, where they, you know, went right, where they had like all that extra money to, you know, to make the episodes better. Yeah. The thing with Titans though, for me is that it's going way too slow with the character progressions. Um, I, I like the fact that there's been a Titans in the past and they allude to it a lot, but even then I'd like to see more of them. Uh, but, you know, Beast Boy, he turns into a tiger. He can turn into more things than just a tiger. I know. Uh, and, 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 but all he ever does is a tiger. I'm like, when is he going to discover he can do these? In fact, he turned into a snake in one episode, but he doesn't remember having done it. Uh, it, it was just like, you know, he, he escaped something and he was knocked out. But, the other thing is that they've gotten too realistic, too, too much realism. In, in, in the comics, the New Teen Titans, when he was Changeling, he had the red and white costume on. He would leap at somebody and turn into a gorilla. And then he would, you know, pound them as the gorilla. And then he'd wrap them up as a boa constrictor. And they'd pass out and he'd slide off of them and he'd be Changeling again. And you know what? He had his costume on before he left and he had his costume on after he left. Yeah. Now he's got to duck behind a dumpster and strip naked so he can turn into a tiger. I I don't need to see uh, Space Monkey Gleek naked every episode. No. <laughs> and it's just, you know, 
That's that's a little crazy. I like the actor that's playing that's playing Dick. Um, I did not. I didn't dislike the actress that was playing Corey, but I was like, "Why are you doing this?" Yeah, that, this, this that was is, the costuming department and the makeup department. Yeah, this is this is terrible. Season two, it got a little, it got it got a lot better with her. Um. Oh yeah, and and everyone was like, you know, oh, you just don't like Star Power because you don't like the fact that a black actress is playing her. I'm like, first of all, only a black actress could probably play Starfire and do it justice. And second of all, this is Cutie Pie Sensei. She does cosplay. She's one of our bombshells of the month on CriticalBlast.com, and she's Starfire, and she looks like she stepped out of a freaking panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she probably didn't have anywhere a one hundredth of the budget that you guys had for this show. Yep. I know they are they are back on set right now filming because they they posted stuff up on on their social media uh, last week. Uh, and of course, my my reply was the the line that got them in trouble on on the news last year when Slade saw them because. Uh, Robin 2.0 ran in front of the camera and screamed, Titans oh, yeah. are back, bitches! Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That's that's what caused Slade to go after him. You had, you had to announce it. Oh, look, it's, it's like three years ago. <laughs> I can't hold the spoiler in that long. No, well, yeah, I, if it's, once it's aired, I don't care anymore. Uh, what's interesting though is that the, in season one, Beast Boy went to the Doom Patrol, and you—that you, was where you first get to meet the Doom Patrol. And then when they did the whole CW Crisis thing, which I thought they cheaped out on, but I still geek out over watching it because of the Easter eggs alone. Uh, I I geek I geek out, uh, you know, the aforementioned uh, Gleek uh, at the at the very end. During the during the roll credits, yes. Uh, but but more importantly, that uh, that Marv Wolfman was there asking the Flash and Supergirl for autographs. Yes, I love that moment. And and you know all the different worlds they showed. Uh, you know when you when you see Burt Ward on Earth sixty six, uh, and you see um, Walking Ace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, who who was the guy who played Alexander Knox? Um, in, in, in the Batman Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. On, yeah. on Earth 89, he said, I hope you're watching, big guy. And, and I, I'm 54 today, I was 53 when it happened, and I squealed like a 14-year-old girl when they absolutely held the lid on the fact that they went to Earth 666 and Tom Ellis steps out of the door as Lucifer. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I just, like, I can't believe they did that! Yeah, and uh, Tom Ellis also told Matt Ryan that he wanted to develop a, a a brand new show where it would basically be Matt Ryan as Constantine and him as Lucifer teaming up. That would have been fun. It would have been fun for an episode. I don't know if a series could hold that. Um, I I think he wanted to develop a Constantine show where where he would basically produce and and unit direct and uh 
that would you know, be he would he would awesome. guest like a like a few times. You know, he guessed. You know, not not for like an entire episode, but he might just like be be walking through and just like you know. Yeah, bring 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 Matt Ryan back to being Constantine and not you know Super John of the Legends. Um, <sighs> if if there was ever a place where John Constantine did not belong, it is with a bunch of time traveling not superheroes. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that 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 shows the that that shows the sitcom of the DC universe. Oh yeah, uh, the first season or two were were pretty good, and and hell, White Canary is hot. So uh, yeah, and but, that, you know, that's pretty much the only reason I was well that in that in Rory because. He's hilarious. Yeah, but they don't use their superpowers any. And, and nope. in fact, the only one that has any superpowers anymore is uh, Steel, and he might turn into Steel once uh, every third episode. Mm-hmm. Like they had the Adam there forever. He never shrunk. Nope, he just became Superman and left. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> which, which you know, is not a bad trade-off, actually. Yeah, it's it's like, you know. We're gonna give you a shot of redemption from that awful movie that everybody hated you in. Uh, and uh, okay, and because he, he was that same Superman. He was the uh, he was the Christopher Reeve Superman in a world where you know the 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 not not, king, not Kingdom Come, but um, uh, well, I guess maybe it was the Kingdom Come universe. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the Kingdom Come costume. Yeah, I was starting to think injustice, but that's not what happened. It was the Kingdom Come. Uh, universe mm-hmm. version, uh, but but you know at the at the end of it when they brought all the worlds back and of course no one in the CW knows yet that the multiverse has been reinstated, which pretty much made the whole crisis moot uh, in the first place if they brought it back that quickly. Uh, but you notice they they listed the different Earths that people were on, and it, that that the Titans and the Doom Patrol are on different Earths now. So I'm not quite sure how that's going to uh you know play into beast boy having been a member of the other team or if there's two different doom patrols now it's kind of uh weird well there there's the fact that doom patrol's headquarters that house is basically like the house of mystery yeah it, it especially with all those sex ghosts in it yeah well you know it, it, Doom Patrol is a good show to watch, but it is definitely a weird show and an adult show. Oh yeah, for for sure. There's you know there's there's a lot of uh, up play, but I'm I'm still like I'm still really mad about the whole Swamp Thing deal. Oh, you got Blue Devil. You had a live-action Blue Devil and... and Didn't use him! Did, did, yeah, I know! Didn't use him! Just one one scene you kind of got to see him in. And uh, and then he got to leave town. Um, now, I've heard rumors of the fact that, you know, Swamp Thing, uh, that first season now is coming to CW for replay and that it might, uh, you know, generate a second season through that way. I mean, you, you, you can... The the last episode had a post credit scene that totally threw everything into cliffhanger land. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they they had they had Jason Woodrow looking exactly like the anatomy lesson. Uh, I was like, 
oh, this is going to get good real fast if we can just have a second season. And no, we did not. Um, no, they they cut five episodes. They cut five episodes off. Yeah. Nobody did their paperwork or due diligence, and you know. Well, we listened. We listened to the politician who told us he had fifty grand, you know, fifty million in uh, in tax credits. It was no, that's because he didn't realize that they went away at the end of every year when they weren't used. He's been adding them up for ten years. <sighs> and once they figured that out, they were gonna they were gonna scrap the entire thing. Like right on the spot, and they're like, "Well, we're almost done, but now we're not going to do fifteen episodes. We're going to do like you know ten or nine or whatever it was." And that was good stuff. It was it was really good, but they pretty much did almost. They did the majority. They cherry picked and did the majority of that whole new fifty two run of swamp thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd love them to gotten even deeper into horror though. I'm, you know, bring in Anton Arcane, uh, do do that whole and, and and they were leading up to that too. I mean, you know, Matt Cable uh, mm -hmm. had the car accident and was you know reset. We never, we we know that he's you know a puppet of Arcane by the end of the thing, but we've never seen him used yet. We've never seen Arcane come back. The most powerful Arcane scene in the entire Swamp Thing run is when he's dead and his head's being kicked around like a football in hell. And he sees Swamp Thing. He's like, I knew you'd end up here someday. Ha ha ha. How long have I been here? Since yesterday. <laughs> like, damn. How many years has it been? But the production value on that show, that's how every DC show should be. Oh, yeah. To that level of you know, production. Because, well, it costs millions and billions of dollars per episode. No, it doesn't. You overinflate your worth as actors. Your people remembering remembering lines in a script. Happy you aren't acting. You're just being you. You're doing your best Jack Nicholson and just repeating lines that you've learned and moving on the way. You're not, you know, you're not really putting anything in into the role yeah and, like, and the shows are just becoming uh full of plot holes devoid of action um devoid of story uh that gets told in a compressed method uh you know we we okay we had crisis on infinite earth so i'll go back to that batwoman horrible show meets bruce wayne kevin conroy he recognizes her she recognizes him by virtue of this, we know that Bruce Wayne on Earth One is Kevin Conroy. The missing Batman is Kevin Conroy. Mm -hmm. New Batwoman season starts up. Tommy Elliott gets facial reconstruction, wears a mask, and impersonates Bruce Wayne. And they buy it. And he looks nothing like Bruce Wayne. Like, yep. Wait a minute. <laughs> I, I think right away off the bat, you know, the guy who worked for you would say, "You're you're you're not Bruce Wayne. You don't even look like Bruce Wayne." Yeah, it's oh, so terrible. And then you know, 
random random girl just happens to find the bat cave and steals the suit oh yeah exactly uh well she she's not she won't be around for season three i don't think because kate kane is kind of back um and and i don't care if i spoil it uh she's lost her memory she thinks she's cersei sionis and her face is burned beyond recognition which is how they're going to get around her not looking like Ruby Rose when they finally do bring her back. She'll, you know, she'll have plastic surgery and she'll have a different look to her and she'll be, you know, uh, the, the, the redheaded Batwoman that's in the comics again. It'll probably be the, uh, it'll probably be the sister Alice just playing a double role. You know, it could, they could do that. Uh, Alice has finally figured it out because Alice, you know, saw her with the mask on, that, that gave her a face and she looked in her eyes and said, you're Kate. And you know, we, we know she's Kate Kane. Um, yeah. Her, her, her father her would know it, but yeah. Somewhere. Uh, that's oh, my answer. Everything. I've one of the, one of the 52. Yeah. One, one, I forget what issue of 52 it was, but yeah, that's where she first appeared. I've got it somewhere too. I don't know that it ever went up in value. I had the first appearance of Harley Quinn in comics and it was an animated special. And, uh, I sold that sucker. I was like, really? That's worth money? It's going. I got like $350 for it. So, Wow. I was very happy. Yeah, and it's going for 600 and something now. But I got I got well, 350 on eBay. I was happy. It's graded a lot more than that. Yeah, I've never graded anything. Um, I've got I've got some graded books. Like, I've got a you know, like like most guys coming out of the seventies were big Vampirella fans, and we don't oh, know course. why. Oh. Uh, <laughs> good stories. Oh yeah. Well, the old books were good stories. They were good stories. Yeah, the, the old, old Vampirellas, guy. Panthers, Rook. But I got uh, one of the new miniseries that was that I that they did a great job on was. Uh, and I love the way they did the art. They handled the art inside with coloring was uh, Vampirella meets the reanimator. Oh, I haven't read that one. It's real. It's really good. And I've got the uh, Uccio Perella uh, Virgin variant of one of the covers, Oh, which is dark and amazing and signed and a 9.8 sitting on my wall. Nice. I, I have only four comics that are in glass. They're not graded because they wouldn't have been worth, they might not have been worth the grading value. They were they were in really good condition. I mean, they weren't beat up or anything, but they would not have been 9.8. Uh, but I've got them in museum glass, professionally framed and matted with, you know, the tag underneath them showing, you know, name and issue number and why it's there. I have, I have Green Lantern number 40. Um, yeah, the, the Alan Scott, Hal Jordan ring battle on the front. Uh, that is the first mention of Krona and looking back at the creation of the DC universe. So that is the origin of the crisis right there. Uh, I've, got, I've got that one framed behind glass. I have the, um, I think it's 169 of the flash, but it's the first appearance of the reverse flash. I've got that mm -hmm. one in, in a frame and, and then in a double frame with, with uh, a big mat with two cutouts, one for each book uh, I've got. And again, I don't know the numbers, but I've got an issue of Batman and an issue of Detective. One is the first appearance of Betty Kane as Batgirl, 
and the other is the first appearance of Barbara Gordon as Batgirl, the, the million dollar debut of Batgirl. Oh, nice. So yeah, they're they're side by side. First Batgirls. Uh, any Batgirl came after doesn't count. <laughs> it's just that's just a passing of the name at that point. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I've got I've got well I've got this one. Uh, I just have to move a bunch of stuff to get at it. Uh, I did not buy this one. This one was sent as a uh, as a thank you present from uh, Dustin from the uh, the listener. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, he sent me he sent me this one as a as a thank you gift. I guess I was like the first podcast that had him on when he first started doing the uh, the first book. I've got a, uh, I've got a, I've got a great, I've got a sign, a double signed and graded uh, Action Comics 1000. Uh, the Art Germ uh, gray line sketch variant. Yeah. Of, of him in flight. And I've got a triple signed and graded uh Mexican chromium variant of Detective 880. That is uh, that is that the is that the jock cover? Yeah. Okay. I I I've, I've got uh the cover with the Joker's face made up of bats, but I'm like but is that is that the one that they're selling or is there like another version of that one that they're selling? Uh, this was another version of that. It, this one was from a few years ago before the coof. Uh, yeah. This was a special variant that was made up, a special Mexican variant that was made up oh, okay. for San Diego Comic-Con. Because I know that jock cover by itself is like a highly sought cover now for, for whatever reason. Well, it's uh, well, it's it's the jock cover. And it's well, it's an amazing cover for one. Yeah. But yeah, it's the uh, it's like it's like a major key. Um, and now I'm gonna have to because I can never figure out what else was special about. It. I'm like, okay, I've got I've got the cover. I'm putting it aside. I I should probably go through my thirty something long boxes. And uh, pull out my autograph stuff to slab them. Maybe they're the ones worth slabbing. I've got uh, Bat, you know, Detective Two Sixty Two, uh, First Rachel Ghoul, uh, si signed by Denton. I Denver. had that, and it was when I first came home from the from the rehab hospital after being locked up for three years, and they hadn't adjusted my Social Security benefits or my food stamps or anything. And uh, man, friend who is also a like a big collector, and he was also a, another writer for uh, um, outright geekery. And uh, so if he plans on you're freezing up selling it that uh 
you know, he, he already knows, like, if you're ever going to sell that now, make sure you let me make the first offer on it. Yeah. Yeah, because that, was, that okay. was definitely you know, a key issue. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, got, there's, there's nothing I like I like better than buying back my own book for more money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that, I've done that, been there before, uh, but I've got my black slipcase hardcover Watchmen back in my own possession again. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because the, the version I have, uh, it's 880 is a 9.8. Uh, the, the listing here has... Uh, 25 sales of of just the 9.8 foil edition of 880 um and fair market on it is about 150 bucks but mine is triple signed so then you know you add like almost you know like another, another two to three hundred dollars for for their autographs because these guys yeah. are all like you know big names are like, well, you know, we deserve to get more. And see, I could, I could slab some of my signature books, but the, the ones I treasure most, they signed it on the inside. Cause that was back in the day when, you know, you didn't sign. I had Mindy Newell sign uh, a Catwoman issue and she's like, where do you want me to sign? I'm like right here on the cover, right across that big full moon. She's like, on the cover, you want it on the cover. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I want it on the cover, but nobody else wanted on, you know, you'd take books up. They'd always turn it over, turn the cover over, write it on the inside on the paper. Uh, so I got like Peter David and Dale Keown on some of, some of the Hulks that were done back then, the the, the green foil Hulk cover. Mm -hmm. um, I've got Jim Balance signature on some uh, Catwoman and some uh, some some Tarot. Uh, had have had have had him and Holly on the show twice. They're 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 fun to talk to. They're a great couple. Nice. I've had, I've asked them a couple of times, but it's always been, you know, it's always been like. Oh, if you would ask me a couple of weeks ago, I could have said yes, but. Oh, they're a, very busy all the time. Goes, there's a secret project coming up that both Holly and I are working on covers for that I can't tell you about because I go, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, they, when they, when they, 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 they usually, they're probably building up for another Kickstarter. Plus they do a book every month or every two months that, uh, you know, they're, they've been, they've been. I'm not going to say they were their their CG before CG, but they were crowdfunding before crowdfunding without the crowd. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're doing the 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 art, the production, the printing, the shipping, the whole ball of wax is you know two people. So. Yeah. So uh, my my 880 foil is signed by Scott Snyder, uh, Jock, and David Barron. Ooh, nice. Um, I've only got one thing that's triple signed, um, and I need to get it in a frame because it is visible. It's a photograph. Uh, I have Burt Ward, Yvonne Craig, and Adam West, uh, all signatures, all personalized signatures, uh, across a picture of the three of them together with Yvonne Sandwich in the middle from a, from a scene, from a promo scene. And then I've got Yvonne's signature on... Uh, I've got her signature three times technically. Uh, I've, I've got her signature on just a, a image of Batgirl where she's you know spinning in her cape and standing there, mm -hmm. uh, and then and then I've got her signature on a note that she sent, which one of the photos said, "I'm very sorry that you know the uh, that the ink smeared in this one spot 
Yvonne Craig. <laughs> I'm like, I just got another signature here. So I'll keep um, the note. She passed before I would have gotten to meet her. And then Adam passed not too long after. I, I was within like about 10 feet of them. And he actually said hello to me. I can't remember what convention I was at. Um, but I just didn't. Like, I'll go out and spend like $300 on comic books, but I'll be like, are you going to go meet Batman and Robin? I go, are you kidding? Those two guys can't stand each other now. And so they charge you more if you want a picture with them together. <laughs> I did not I did not know that there was animosity between them at the time. But. Uh, yeah, I guess it's, it's one of those things that like comes and goes. I've been wanting wow. to get Burt Ward on an interview for a while now. You know, talk about his dog rescue and stuff. Because um, it's not like he's trying to get away from the Robin image. If you've seen his bags of dog food at Walmart, uh, there's pictures of him as Robin plastered all over it. Oh, God. Well, yeah, he's, he's always, you know, he's he's written those uh, biographies and and stuff. And it's funny because I I just snagged in a, in a, in a, in a live auction on Facebook the other week uh, from uh, JJ out, out in Arizona there from Comic Book Shopping Network. It was the uh, the old comic book interview magazine. Yeah, I remember comics interview. David Kraft. We just yeah. lost him. Yeah. Uh, it was the episode with uh, Dark Knight on the cover, so it was basically all, it was all Batman stuff. It was an interview with Bill Finger's son. Ooh. It was an interview with Jerry Robinson, Frank Miller, and Burt Ward. And they used to put like shadowed bold print at the top of each page to, you know, bring you in to want to read that page. And it would be like a highlight of something that's being talked about on that page. And they they highlighted uh, how the Catholic Decency League told Burt Ward they had that they had to redo his costume because he had too much of a bulge. Yeah, they didn't redo his costume. They put him on pills. Did they? They put him on saltpeter. Oh, uh, poor yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, and he got divorced uh, sometime after that. I can't Which, imagine why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, because that's not something you can just undo when the costume comes off. Yeah, it's like, hmm. I'm like, no, that's no good. Yeah, they, 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 they shrunking, they, they, they induced shrinkage. So, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, that's no good. You could have just put like an ice pack down there. Come on. Yeah. Um, well, Batman 880, well, Detective 880 is the first part of the of the uh, Black Rain storyline. And I think this might be, I'm not sure, but this might be Scott Snyder's first uh, stint on Batman. Was it? I'm not sure because it's it's not really telling me because I have a crappy search engine. Oh, okay. Uh, is 
Detective 880, the most expensive non-key variant in Marden. Uh, well, it actually is a key. That's why it's so much money. Yeah, I guess it's a... Detective 880. Most titles can be shortened to to their initials AF. Detective Comics 880. Most titles can be shortened like Amazing Fantasy, ASM, Amazing Spider-Man, but Detective Comics comes to DC. That would be confusing. That would be very confusing. They used to call it tech. Yeah. I call it tech too. And then, you know. You know, I'll, I'll type. I'll type in like on a on a live auction. You know, he'll have like you know the new detective up there, and I'll be like, I've been buying this since 1974. I can't stop now, even though it's shitty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll type in TEC. He goes, "What's TEC?" And like 30 people are typing in detective, <laughs> and I'm like, uh. If you if you if you've been a fan for you know a little while, you 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 know that. But oh, this guy's been in in comics and and you know owning his own store for forty years. I'm like, why don't you know this? Didn't read the letters pages. Oh, oh, I never read the letter pages. Oh my god, I always I go back and I buy back issues of comics. And the first thing I do is I read the letters pages because what you find every once in a while is the unofficial first comics work of some of today's professionals mm -hmm. when they were, when they were fans and writing letters and critiquing stories and getting printed in the letters pages. Well, I have an old, I, I have two of them, but only one means anything to me really. I have an old creation convention black and white flyer. And it is full of original artwork from Michael Joseph Linsner. Ooh, ooh, the Dawn guy. Before Crypt of Dawn and all that other stuff he did for, for Sirius Press came yeah. out. Yeah. So, so, you got, so you got some raw stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's all, you know, you know, just, you know, photocopied and it's all like on newspaper print or something. But, but it was published that way. So, yeah, it was published that way. And you had to be at the con to get one. Um, and man, I wanted to get more than one and they wouldn't give it to me. And I wanted to get more than one because. I'm a rockhead, and of course, I'm a big Joker fan. And you know, I like Batman, of course. Yeah. Um. So you remember the Motley Crue album "Theater of Pain"? Yes. And the cover was the two masks with the ribbons around them. Oh, you know, yeah. ha happy and sad. You know. Uh. He did that on the cover of this flyer, but. The happy mask was Joker's face, and of course, the sad one was Batman's face. Comedy and tragedy. Yep. And I'm like, 
That's awesome. Uh, I was, I probably got this when I was like uh, my late teens, early twenties when we went to the show and uh, it was uh, creation Boston. I think, yeah, it must've been creation Boston and uh, Walter Koenig was uh, the special Star Trek guest. Nice. I stepped on his foot in the uh, <laughs> I didn't see him. He's tiny. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm six two, and, so. and and they're crowded, and they're crowded. So you know we're we're bumping up against each other, and I go, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm just looking to see if I have any action figures yet. <laughs> He's looking for action figures of himself. Yeah. Oh, that 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 that's cool though. When you find the people who are like fans of their own stuff. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, there's a there's a big there's a big joke always going around with people that are in, you know, portraying characters in like, you know, sci-fi or fantasy or anything, you know, super, any of the superhero stuff, or you know, and it, and it's pretty much, you know, you've made it when you have your own action figure. That's right. Until Disney. <sighs> Who I I remember when Disney was a family friendly company back when we were growing up. Yeah, it's supposed to be forty years ago. Long time back. Long time back. Uh, and and now they're like you know they're they're too busy being woke and you know bowing down to other countries. China, China, China. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know and. Uh, same thing with John Cena. I saw that today. That that was cringy. That, I don't know what was more cr cringy. The the fact that he is fluent in Mandarin, or the or the fact that he went from ruthless aggression to boot kisser. I'm typing in. I want to ask Google: Is Taiwan a country? <laughs> well, you know. If you're in Google, they're going to tell you, no, it's not. Well, the, BBC, the BBC says that Taiwan is a self-governed island state separated from mainland China by the Taiwan Strait. Wait a second. It, it, it's, it's almost like they wrote this in haiku. <laughs> Beijing opposes the suggestion Taiwan is an independent state. Well, independent state is as good as a country to me. So, Well, that would mean that Hawaii is an independent state. Well, okay, that's a, that's a different island state. Literalist. <laughs> that's a state island. That's totally different. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, oh, man. Uh, a, a friend of mine who's, uh, who I became friends with because he was a comic nerd, he just retired from 24 years in the, serving in the Navy. Ooh. And his last station was Pearl. So, of course, when when he got his papers and checked out, he bought a house in Hawaii. And now that he's a civilian, he went he went from being a being a chief of the Navy to being 
a civilian worker for the Coast Guard in Hawaii. <laughs> he goes, hey. he goes, it's kind of the same thing, but I get to go home at night. Yeah. I go, oh, okay. Yeah, you, you, I, I used to be a military contractor. My, my first uh, days of my career in IT. Um, mm -hmm. I started off with a U.S. Transportation Command uh, right up, right before Desert Storm. They used our software to move people. It was it was logistics, <laughs> um, and I you know you you would see you know master sergeants, colonels retire, and you're like, yeah, congratulations, end of your career. You know, in, enjoy the rest of your life now. And then you'd see them next month in civilian clothes. With a, you know, a a lanyard and a badge on. Oh yeah, I'm I'm working with this contracting company now. I'm you know managing this department. Happen all the time. I'm gonna retire from the service so I can work for the service as a civilian. Yes, for the for the contracting company to whom I uh, to whom I signed, uh, <laughs> to to on whose contract I approved while I was wearing stars and bars. Uh, like, yeah, you, you guys want this cushy contract? Sure. Okay. You you were the, you were the you were the best bidder. Uh, now I'm going to retire, and you're going to pay me a salary. So you you get your uh, retirement pay and and and, and your and your paycheck. Yeah, all that happens all the time. I mean, you know, I worked for one of the companies because um, one contract ended. I had to go somewhere else. And I, I got, you know, told that, hey, you know, this company is hiring um, <clears throat> and, and, and you you should go talk to them. And uh, one of the questions on the, the application was like, you know, why, why are you applying it at, at our company? And I said, because, you know, Master Sergeant so-and-so said that you were hiring and recommended me. And, and they brought it back and said, okay, yes, that's what happened. No, you can't write that down. <laughs> you can you cannot do that. We cannot have favoritism because somebody knows you. Yes. We we, we we can't we can't say that you know the guy who was military that just retired that came to work for us as a manager recruited you uh, from the contract you were on to this contract, even though we're taking over that contract uh, and you're doing the same job and all that's happening is the color of your paycheck changes. Um You know, funny, funny stuff. Yeah, it's you know, it's like, well, can I write down that I caught your boss with somebody he wasn't supposed to be with? <laughs> nope, I don't think they let that either. No, just, no, say, no, no, no. just say I'm interested in continuing the work on the uh, project I've been on, and I heard that the company was taking over, and I wanted to make my services available to them. I'm like, okay, whatever you might write, I'll take, I'll take it. I wandered in randomly and filled out an application and you asked me to stay. Yes. Oh, there's, there was so much shenanigans when I was in that business. Not, not illegal shenanigans, just, you know, Dilbert type stuff, but of a military nature. Mm -hmm. I, I spent some time doing software testing and, you know, we had, we had, um, we had a Colonel who was like, you know, how long is it going to take to test this? And we're like, oh, it's going to take about six months to do a full regression test on, you know, hundreds of thousands of lines of COBOL code changes. 
And he's like, no, 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 no. You've got like three weeks. Uh, he's like, you can have my secretary if you, you to help if you want. We're like, what does she know about software? Said, well, you're just pounding on keys. <laughs> and uh, what was it? It was. It was sort of like, you know, you can bring any drunk off the street out of the gutter to be a software tester, to which, you know, the one guy we had was our main software tester that, thanks, appreciate it. <clears throat> and then, you know, somebody else said that, uh, you, know, you can get a monkey to sit in here and pound keys and he'd be like, thanks, now I'm a monkey. <laughs> so I knew a guy who was a, an independent comic book artist. I'm like, here's what I need. <laughs> and, and I had him draw up a poster for the soft for the software team test lead tester, uh, and it was a chimpanzee sitting in a gutter with a big pot gut and a bottle of rye, and he was just the drunken gutter monkey, uh, and that be that became our team mascot. It's like here, here, all you need to do to test software, any drunken gutter monkey can do it. See now I now I want to get a sketch cover done on somebody's book with a with a drunken gutter monkey. Monkeys monkeys are the rage right now. I just got it's over out of reach now, but I just got the first four issues of El Crudo, um, which is a, a, a Manny Shapes book about an orangutan who was dropped in Vietnam with a gun. And and there was and and I was like he, he was like and he's part of this like you know. Uh, Project where these where these other you know other monkey types uh, the different types of monkeys were all trained to you know use guns and they're they're just like you know they're it, it's a Pavlovian kind of experiment. I was like, ooh, it'd be cool if there were like seven of other seven other monkeys. He's like, there there are seven other monkeys. It's like, it's like really? I was like, so so like there's seven of them and then El Crudo. He's like, yeah. I'm like, and you didn't call the unit Prime Eight. It's like that's like low-hanging fruit, man. <laughs> that one wrote itself. Well, it's even worse than that because, of course, obviously the first thing I think of is, well, yeah, I saw that movie. It came out in 1968. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, monkeys with guns. We we know where this goes. Uh, that's the first thing I thought when they said scientists have breeded, you know, human G DNA with chimpanzee DNA. I'm like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> that's the bad version of that movie. Yeah. It's like <clears throat> we're, we're 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 mixing the genes of humans and apes, while at the same time we are uh, putting AI programs into robots to teach them how to fire weaponry. Like, which movie do you want to win? <laughs> Speaking of which, I was just I was just watching uh, the original RoboCop earlier today. Oh, I'll buy that for a dollar. Mm -hmm. And it didn't dawn on me till I saw it this time that. Basically, everybody that had like a bit part in there, except for uh, RoboCop and his partner, uh, you know, and and the other, you know, except for the cops, the actual cops, uh, everybody else was in on the on on the drug scheme. The I'll buy that for a dollar guy, yeah, which I never realized before because it never it never clicked until today when I was watching it. Probably because I had my glasses on, I could see what the hell I was watching. But uh, I'm like, man, I haven't seen that in so long. I'm like, oh, this is this is good. Watch it with fresh eyes. I want to get sit down and watch uh, Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension again sometime. They should put that on Blu-ray. 
I've never actually watched that. Oh, oh, John Lithgow, uh, as as is in that as John Big Boutte. I yeah. know it was like it was like all the rage, and it was they're like, oh, it's a it's a it's a big uh, it's a big cult movie now. You know, what do you mean they're brainwashing people? He goes, no, no, you know, like yeah. I go, oh, you mean you mean like uh, like Eraserhead. Like Eraserhead and, uh, oh, I just had the name in my head and I forgot. It just went, Meow. yeah, but but it, yeah, it was it was like straight out of a comic book, but out of one of the goofy comic books, like The Green Team, uh, you know, where he had, he had a, like a guy who was a cowboy and, and a guy who was like a, a martial artist, uh, just playing up to their stereotypes full tilt, and they were all geniuses, uh. <laughs> In, in their respective fields and brought together by, you know, Buckaroo Banzai, um, who is a rock and roll, rock and roll phys physicist. Um, great lines in that one, too. I like, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Um, <laughs> and he just deadpans the thing. Uh, John, John Lithgow, you know, like, it's not my damn planet, monkey boy. <laughs> if I, think not, I, if I think I saw that was on. I think it's. It, I think it's off it now. But I think the other month, a couple of months ago, that was on Tubi. Oh, if, if you ever get a chance to watch it uncut, you you've got to. You, it's it's a moral imperative, he said, borrowing from Real Genius, another movie which must be watched. That one I remember. Yeah. Which means I probably watched it at some point. I watched it in college, and I was like, "Yeah, that because because my college was nothing but nerds. I mean, you know, if you were not a computer person, you were a double ET person, and we we were the double ET people were dangerous. They were doing stuff with electronics. It was my my buddy was a double ET guy, and we were driving late at night from Chicago to St. Louis, and I would get behind somebody I'm like, oh, we can't go faster than this person over here." Um, I wish they, and because I was already in the like the left lane, like why are they in the why are they in the fast lane going slow? And there was like this little green light that you could see through their back window. He's like, they have a radar detector. I was like, yeah. He's like, hang on a second. And he's like, reach. I got I got this '77 Nova bench seat and everything. He's reaching across the back, getting his kit because he doesn't go anywhere without his kit. And he comes up and he's like, just keep driving. He's like fiddling around with this, and fiddling around with that, and he's snipping wires here. And he's it's like freaking MacGyver. Uh, episode and he's like I need power and I'm like you know he took the he literally undid the power converter I, I had a, I had a power boost 77 Nova in 1989 and I had a power booster to the AMFM radio wired underneath of it he take he takes the power wires out of that so that there's these raw power wires coming off my battery and he's like okay twist them onto that ouch 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 twist it on he's like okay and go and he touches something, something, and that green light goes red. And the guy puts on his brakes and he slows down. I'm like, what did you do? He's like, we're emitting low frequency radar waves right now. And the whole trip from Chicago to St. Louis, anytime we got behind somebody with a radar detector, because they were really popular at the time, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and and here they go. And they'd pull over and we'd just keep going. I was like, is there any way you can do that in reverse? <laughs> he's like, stop the radar signal. He's like, uh, it doesn't work that way, but 
for now, we can get past these people. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just crazy. So uh, this year, how many indie comics have you gotten in, read, and want to recommend to anyone? Crowdfunded? Ooh, that I've actually gotten in because I just started getting them in. I will, I will definitely recommend Monster MD to anybody. That was uh, one heck of a story, um, and a, a lot of fun. Uh, Von Klaus is uh, going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, one I think that's flying under the radar because it's on Kickstarter and it's not part of the Indiegogo, um, and it's not part of the whole bombastic YouTube channel kind of scene is Miskatonic High. Um, which, you know, if you're a fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of stuff, this is the book for you. They have just put out issue number 11. Wow. Uh, so, you know, yeah, they're producing on a three-month schedule. Uh, they, they had like five books done before they crowdfunded the first. So they were being ahead of the game is like we can keep this. They, they can keep it up the schedule now. Uh, so that's, you know. That's another one I would recommend is Miskatonic High. Um, I think what else came in that I've had the chance to go through. Um, I've had other stuff come in. Um, I haven't read it thoroughly enough yet to say that they should be recommendations. Uh, but but those two definitely. Um, the Rascals. The Rascals is another one. Uh, that's the um, Anthropomorphic Punk Rock Rabbits. Uh, yeah, they're they're a punk rock band of rabbits. Uh, it's kind of a kind of a humor book, but kind of an adventure book at the same time. It's drawn in a very cartoonish style, but professionally cartoonish, like like good Looney Tunes drawn and cartoonish. Um, yeah, that kind of style. Well, you know, not as realistic as that, but a good style. Yeah. Um, they they're 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 a punk band. And they get stuck. Their van, their van stopped running. Just it just stopped. No reason why. Uh, at a crossroads. And while they're out looking at the engine at the crossroads, and they're musicians, mind you. This red goat appears, and he's like, "Well, I might be able to help your engine out. Um, what do you say we have a little bit of a contest here?" And you know, let's let's see who the better musician is, since you're musicians and we're at the crossroads. You heard this story before, <laughs> so so he he plays this song, and you know it's it's a, it's a good song, and then he's like, "Okay, your turn," and they jump into one of their best numbers, and 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 he knows that he's lost. He's he's lost. They 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 beat him in the con contest. He's like, "You cheated. You you you're 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 not that good, but you won the contest. So I curse you." I curse you to forever encounter the supernatural until you play a song better than that one. And he's gone and their van starts. <laughs> and, and sure enough, they go to concerts now and they encounter the supernatural. So they've encountered gremlins in book one. Uh, the second book just came out, which was a song of the Banshee, uh, where they went to Ireland and, you know, they encountered a Banshee. They've all been, They've not just been cursed to encounter the supernatural, but they've been gifted with things. Uh, one of them can see the supernatural. Uh, the drummer, who's always hungry, uh, will occasionally 
roll his eyes back and be possessed by uh, a, a being of great knowledge. Uh, and then he like opens his eyes. Said, oh, I did it again, didn't I? Uh, I can't remember anything that happened. Um, the, the female lead singer, the, 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 the female singer, I want to say lead singer because the lead singer is Tony and he, he's no, nobody else. Gonna, Tony's very narcissistic. Um, she's got a purse of infinite holding. Uh, it's not only infinite holding, but it's sort of like the Ghostbusters trap. Uh, you know, she opens it and it's like they get sucked in and she closes the purse. Mm -hmm. But there's more to the purse than that. And she's not letting on what it is. Uh, and then Tony, you don't quite know what his ability is yet. And he doesn't want to use it. He, he's he kind of he's kind of you know, holding it close to the vest. He doesn't like it. Uh, but but we might have got to see it used in issue number two. Without without explanation. So. It's it's a very complicated book. The guys who are working on it, one of them has experience working for Cartoon Network back when they were doing like good stuff, um, mm -hmm. and they're possibly you know they're they're looking at everything they can do with the rascals spelled with a W. Um, so you might you might see rascals. stuff with them. Yeah, yeah, W R A S K L E S. Um, hmm. Rascals. It's it's a it's a, it's a fun book. It's a fun book. Um, I'm looking back to see if I had anything else. I'm sure I did, but I've been I've been turning Wednesdays into DCBD now. Not 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 in CBD, uh, but DCBD because there's no end that I want to read anymore. So I hit the dollar bins. It's Dollar Comic Book Day when I go, um, and. I'm starting, you know, I'm, now I'm digging through there and not only am I finding stuff that reminds me of, you know, reading comics back in the 80s and 90s, but now I'm recognizing names. <laughs> it's like, oh, look, Mike S. Miller was working on these books. Oh, look, Ryan Wynn was working on these books. I know oh, these guys. Mike Golden. Oh, oh. The player on the other side. The... Wait a second, no, Michael. Mike Golden didn't draw that, did he? Mm -mm. Uh, who did draw that? I thought it was a, somebody Golden. It was Mike W. Barr, and um, dang it, maybe it was Mike Golden that did the art. That is that is still to to this day my favorite Batman story of all time. Batman Special Number One: The Player on the Other Side. Oh yeah, that 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 book's going for some money too. Yeah, and I can't imagine. Well, I mean, they they've tried to do it again. Uh, you know, they they did Prometheus, which didn't count because he's like loading software into his head all the time. That's not the anti-Batman. Uh, I'm sorry, but the Batman who laughs is not the anti-Batman. Um, no, but, he, but he's cool. <laughs> he's he's cool, but <sighs> if, he, death. if he'd come into a world that was not already suffering Joker fatigue. Uh, he might have been even more impactful, um, but yeah, he, he he's judged death. That's all he is, really. Um, they've done not the wrath, but his Robin sort of. They tried to redo the whole story and say, oh, he had he had his own Robin too, and that Robin became the wrath, and uh, it didn't quite hold the same amount of water. But if DC would like, you know, really run a villain book, and it be somebody who's the exact opposite of Batman with the exact opposite story, you know, parents killed by cops dedicated my life to, you know, he'd, he'd have to be a Moriarty kind of character. Mm -hmm. 
That would be cool. I just got this. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's Kubert, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rock dies. Batman, Batman gets it, or I kill you. Yes, that was fantastic. I loved those things where the DC characters would appear in their own books. Like when Flash would stop by the DC offices and say, I don't know how I got to this world, but I need to get home. Yeah, I, I scored a whole bunch of Brave and the Bulls for like four bucks a piece. So I was I was like very happy. Oh, now, you know, you've got the right era of books here uh, to, to have fun with this. When, when you open them up, if you've got them, any of them in sequential order, like, you know, not skipping any spaces, don't just read them. Examine the panels. Look for the Easter egg. Do, do, do you know what was going on there? No, I actually haven't gone back and read these. I haven't read these okay. since I was a kid. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. When they were doing Brave and the Bold during that era, uh, there was no previews magazine. There was no you know direct market where it was like you order three months in advance and you know that three months down the line, hey, you know, Batman, Brave and the Bold, this number, it's going to be these two characters and here's the synopsis of the story. You had no idea what was coming. So you would have you'd have uh, Batman and um, uh, the Creeper in, in, in a Brave and Bold issue. And you would read the story and they'd be walking out of an alley and in the corner of the alley would be a trash can. And sticking out of the trash can would be the back half of an arrow and it would be green. And that was your clue that next issue was going to be Batman and Green Arrow. And then when you had the Batman and Green Arrow issue, there would be like, you know, uh, a black cat with its back arched and casting a big shadow. And that's how you knew that the next issue was going to be Batman and Catwoman. There, there was there was uh, Easter egg in each one that was... Yeah, the, I, I don't have these sequential, I don't think. There's like a, a number in between them or something. That Oh, the Green Lantern. That, that was just good reading. One story in one issue. Imagine. Yeah, Wonder Woman. Another Sergeant Rock. And sometimes it was time travel, and sometimes they used the Golden Age Batman. Yeah. Because they didn't have to worry about what happened in the issue before or the issue after. Oh, I loved Firestorm. I loved I loved the baggy-sleeved Firestorm that was Ronnie yeah. and Martin Stein. Team up with the Guardians of the Universe. <laughs> with, yeah. with, with, with the Nemesis back up. Oh, Nemesis was cool. And then... Batman North Lane. Lane. Yeah, I've got that one. And, you know, well, obviously that's Clark in a Batman costume. And this is just great. This is a Kaluta cover. Oh, Batman Swamp Thing. Yes. That is awesome. I, I've got the uh, the Swamp Thing Swamp Thing issue where Batman appeared, the Wrightson version. You said Creeper? Yep, yep, there he is going against Firefly. I actually have two copies of his first appearance. And I got uh, this one just because I thought, because I got it for like a buck because it's like a color-breaking crease all the way down the middle. But it's like a reader copy. Cool. I, like, I like adventure comics. And then 
But I got some detectives. The calculator. Now that yeah. that was a concept I loved. Uh, it was corny as hell, but it was like you know once 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 you beat him, he was vaccinated against you. Oh, is that man bat? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, those were good good books. I've got a detective comic somewhere that's uh underrated bad. right now. Ah, Hugo Strange in costume. Mm-hmm. But where, where they uh, first mentioned that uh, Harvey Dent was being taken to Arkham Hospital it was the first time they named the asylum. Uh, Silver Silver Age Luthor. Where from Space Night? Where where'd you go? Did you go comic shopping today, or did this come in the mail? Uh, these these came in the mail from uh, Pride Land Collectibles on Facebook. Yeah, I had a my my college roommate was a huge Rom fan, and I was even I was even more excited because I got a couple of issues. I've been trying to complete my run of uh, Batman Family from the from the seventies. Yeah, the big thick ones. Yeah, and I got a. That one, I got that one. I've got that one. Yeah, all those Batgirl and Robin stories. I love those things. And this is a little beat up, but this is a Whitman version of the Super Friends cartoon comic, and it's a key. Because it has the origin of the Wonder Twins. Oh, really? I see that there in the in the. And is that the Global Guardians are going up against? Oh, those I are elementals. So. Um. I'm not sure. I element uh, the four elementals. Yeah. The, you know, the Superfan comics had uh, a lot of uh, good stories in them too. I remember. There was one where they were battling what looked like the universal monsters, mm-hmm. and it, and and then they found out that oh they weren't the bad guys they were actually from another planet and they were the superheroes on their planets, and uh, the Frankenstein character was a uh, superior man, and then in the North Pole, <laughs> an old Whitman Popeye, yeah, and this one, the video game Overwatch. Overwatch from Blizzard. Right. This is the comic book that Blizzard scouted and bought from uh, Martin Dunn and Javi Lugo at WonderCon one year, and they bought the right they bought the rights and the books they had on hand, minus the one in my hand. Uh, and mm-hmm. created the Overwatch video game, but this one also has an original sketch on the front cover from from Javier. And there's the back. So you're saying that predates the video game? This predates the. Vi- this is where the video game came from. So, so when you said they bought all the ones except the one in your hand, they cleaned his shelf out. Yeah. Well, they they did up a deal. And they 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 took everything and 
that that they had with them and went on their way. Plus that plus this book is an era. The the printer uh didn't put in a couple of pages. Ouch. So there's there's like a page nine missing or something. So it's an it's an era, but I'm like and it's it's a number one. So <laughs> they of course probably changed the names of all the characters that were in that. Yeah. But Page missing printer errors. Those aren't the good errors. I like the printer errors where it's like, you know, covers stuck together. So you got double covers. Which a few years ago didn't mean anything. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, no. Yeah, because more than likely you have a very mint cover underneath the first one. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it's funny when that happens and you get a, uh, you know, well, the top cover is probably a 4-0 at best, but the bottom cover is probably like uh, at least a 9.0. If you rip the outer cover off, you have a more expensive book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but for some reason, people are like, you know, I, of course, there are like Silver Age books that have that. Yeah. Are going, you know, through the roof now with ooh, you know, double covers because well, there's a whole new generation of kids that didn't realize that that double cover thing happened a lot. I I, I used to see well, you know, I, I told this story before on my channel too, but uh I grew up in a very small midwestern town of uh, Sparta, Illinois. If you're a Silver Age comic book fan, that might mean something to you. But, you know, you'd had to be the kind of reader I was who, you know, I was reading the sides of cereal boxes at breakfast and I was reading the detergent boxes when I was in the bathroom. I had to read all the time. So I would read the indicias of the books. When I was growing up in the, in, in the 70s and the early 80s, um, every single comic book in the world came from, four, came from World Color Press in Sparta, Illinois. So there was no place to buy comics. Uh, the direct market didn't exist. And the drugstores there didn't sell them because there was nobody to buy them. Everybody worked at the printing plant and they brought home overruns. My comic shop was the garage sale circuit. Uh, and if you knew somebody who worked there, you were just in nirvana because it was like, you know, what'd you bring home this week? What'd you bring home this week? Here. I would, and I would just get, you know, these silver age books that were you know brand new um they'd be like in stacks in their in their you know den or whatever um tons of books that way that's how like, like i said it's how i learned to read in, in kindergarten my barber was getting them free and then he'd give them to me when i was get, going to get my hair cut because uh, i wasn't done reading the book yet and i didn't and it was time to leave <laughs> i'm not done i'll take it with you I yeah got 20 more in the back exactly I remember the probably one of the first ones I was reading in, in the barbershop was, um, well, I, re I remember my first Superman comic and I went out and I've, I've got it. Um, I, it's been, it's in my collection now. It's, he's being stretched through the, the planet. It's called Protectors of Earth. And he's like being sucked into a black hole and he's like stretched out hundreds of miles long out of the planet. And he's got a death grip on the U in his own logo and it's crumbling in his grip and he's, Warning the readers, you know, that, you know, run or you're going to die. Um, I'm like, how's he being stretched out like that and not dead? 
but you know, he's Superman and it's you know, a black hole and it's comic book science. And then the other one that I remember reading in the barbershop that I also have uh, was an action comics. And it's, um, it's Superman. He's flying downward to rescue Barbara Gordon Batgirl, who's falling backwards off of a building. And she's like, no, don't save me. Get the Joker. Because uh, he was getting away in a helicopter. And I was like, he's Superman. He can grab you and swoop after that helicopter. No problem. <laughs> like, definitely save me. The first comic I bought with money that I earned was Detective Comics 447. And it's got Creeper on the cover, kicking Batman as he goes head over this way. Uh, and they are apparently at the Gotham City Zoo or, or something. And uh, Creeper's pulling, as he's kicking him down, he's saying, enter the Creeper and exit the Batman. Dead. Yep. Yep. And and he's pulling open the cage on the you know on the on the lion uh walkway. I, so I can, all the lions are coming out and he's just, you know. I can picture that one in my head. I remember that one. I think the first one I actually bought with money that uh was was my money um was New Teen Titans number one Baxter. Uh, and I had to go to a seven eleven thirty miles away. To find that on a spinner rack, the the Baxter one. Yes. Now this because there's New Teen Titans uh, that ran for several issues, and then and this was around the time that the direct market was kicking up, and they were going to start printing in Canada, which is probably I why I didn't get it for yet. free. Uh, so so suddenly there was New Teen Titans number one again on Baxter printing. Uh, Baxter paper, it was, it was, I, probably a Baxter printing press, but it was called the Baxter copies. Uh, you, it allowed the bleed to go all the way to the edge of the page. Uh, it had a, a better, uh, thicker cover. And New Teen Titans, the regular series, transitioned into becoming Tales of the Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. and, they, and they ran in parallel for a year with new stories in each one. And then as soon as you hit issue 13 of the Baxter New Teen Titans, Tales of the Teen Titans reprinted number one of the new Teen Titans. So it became a reprint series a year later uh, in, in the regular print format. So which would be the time that I would have quit buying new teen, uh, Tales of the Teen Titans. Well, if you'll give me a second, yeah, okay. I, have, I have something to show you. Digging in the boxes. Let's start up my... Very low-powered Batmobile. By the way, for those watching, there was a poster of the new Teen Titans that George Perez did. With uh, in included all of them. It had the big T tower in the background, and it had Tara sitting on a loop. I had that when I was in college. I want that back. Anybody has one for sale? DM me on Twitter at Critical Blast. I um, I'll buy it. We will make a deal on that. I just made an appeal to your viewers. I said back in the day, I had uh, the new Teen Titans poster that George Perez did uh, that had Tara 
on it and it's part of the group and I don't have it and I want it. So if anybody has it, I will buy it. Oh, is, is that the one that has the tea with all the characters around it? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's a huge money piece now. Yeah, I bet it is. So these are all prints. Portfolios? No, not portfolio. These are just, you know, prints. Okay. And, and top loaders. Uh, this top one is double signed by Joe Sinat. From one of the Joe Sinat inking challenges from Bob Almond. And it was inked by uh, Rusty Gilligan. Okay. Of Loki. Oh, look at that. It's all Joe Sinat's uh, blue line work underneath. That's some nice stuff. I got to get some top loaders for my art. They're all loose. But I started buying prints, and then I'm like, I have no place to put them. And my friend's like, dude, you have a huge apartment. I go, yeah, but I don't have any way to hang them up. Because I'm a Joker fan. Yep. But this one signed from, from Evas. Nice Hulk. And, yeah, well, it looks like blue. Yeah. And of course, because I'm a big Mandalorian fan. Oh, who did that one? Evas. Okay. Now we come in to the really good stuff. You mentioned, did you mention Thanos earlier? I don't think so. Okay, different podcast uh, because I listened to about 19 of them today. Yeah. But this is a Jim Starlin piece that he did everything on and then signed. So he colored it too. Yep. That that's sweet. That's that's a double Thanos and a Hulk. Wow. Then he's one of the guys I'd love to get on the show. Him and Jim Steranko. I want either one of them. Little Bob Layton. Oh, is that a repro of the cover? It's a repro of the cover that he did, and uh, he signed it. Yeah. I love it when they redraw covers like that. Obviously, you can't get the original art for it, but, you know. And this is what I dug through to find because this is double signed. Oh my God. Yeah, that, that is the, uh, that is the number one issue, the Baxter book. And this, this print is out of George's personal collection that he takes around with him. Uh, I got I got these from Clan McDonald Comics out in Illinois, and I scored that Teen Titans Baxter print number one, double signed for forty bucks. Oh, you got a deal! Uh, and it was even worse for them because. 
they got a they got in a, a certain amount of prints from uh like four different creators the three i showed there and 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 an anchor that was working on batman with scott snyder and uh then after everybody picked out you know as they went through and they you know took orders online uh and they got everything set up everybody that got that titans one print double signed they got them packaged them all up in in top loaders they mailed them to george's house george signed them george mailed them back and then they mailed them to marv and marv signed them <laughs> and mailed them back <laughs> those guys know how to treat their fans you know so it, you know it was I was like so excited to see that. I was like, yes. And in the meantime, somewhere in this pile over here, I found a uh, new Teen Titans uh, issue 13. It was like an all white cover with the classic team. Uh, Dick was still Robin and everything coming out. Yeah. Uh, and it got, got signed. Uh, it's a, it's a, got signed by, uh, by Marv. Uh, years ago, back at uh, Wizard World Philly. Oh, back when back when Wizard Worlds still had comic book people come to them. Still had comic book people come to them, and they weren't charging like you know fifty dollars to sign a comic book. Yeah, yeah. I, I go to Wiz I used to go to Chicago Comic Con and just uh, oh shoot. Let me pull the. Let me pull up Chicago Comic Con. 1989. Bum, bum. Bum, bum. Yeah, that'll work. That's me in the purple. That's you as Joker? Yes. I was one, nobody was cosplaying back in those days. Uh, but Spencer's Gifts was selling the hat, and it was a branded Batman <coughs> movie hat for, mm -hmm. for Jack Nicholson's Joker character. I'm like, well, now all I need is the rest of the suit, which they didn't sell. <laughs> so I made the suit out of a white suit uh, that I dyed purple. I had the purple silk scarf and a orange shirt I picked up at, uh, at Goodwill and uh, the white magician's gloves, which also went through the same wash that uh, did the did the suit. Uh, I had green hairspray in the hair, but much the same way that, you know, Cesar Romero's hair would not show up green. Uh, my brown hair did not hold green color all that well. Uh, so that didn't quite work out the same way. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there with Dick Giordano and Denny O'Neill. Just walked up to the table. Can we get a picture? Yeah, sure. And Dick just leans right in because I'm you know, with the Joker. I've got more pictures from this convention uh, that aren't scanned. I don't know where they are. Uh, they're in an album somewhere. They had this chair in the foyer of the hotel where the convention was being held. And uh, I was there with my buddy. I'm like, oh, I've got to sit here. Take a picture of the chair. Because that's the same 
kind of chair that you first see the Joker in, in in his first appearance in Batman number one. He's sitting at that high back chair and he's you know got his fingers steepled up. And while I'm doing this, you know, like I said, nobody cosplayed in those days. So if you were in a costume, you were generally a booth babe or you were one of the heroes that was with Marvel or DC. And with this year it was Marvel. There was a Spider-Man there that Marvel had. So people just assumed that I was with one of the companies and they'd bring their kids up and say, hey, how much for a picture? I'm like, just just take the picture. Just, 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 yeah, just sit here. So I had kids standing next to me and their parents were taking pictures. And like, I had no idea I had a, like a money-making opportunity here. I should have started charging. Um, but this oh. was, uh, yeah, yeah. Legends of the Star Grazers. These were the uh, booth babes that were dressed up as those characters. Uh, they were wandering around. So I got that shot. Um, and then, you know, one of the other ones was, uh, she was there. Uh, you can just like, like junk on the floor here from all the different stands that were coming down. Like, was like what, what? Ah, look at that. I have a question annual that I had just picked up and it was on top of my duffel bag down there. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, that was, that was inventions in 89 when, you know, it's like DC was there. Marvel was there. Archie was there. Uh, if you publish comics, you were at the convention. Now I go to Wizard World, and it's a flea market of people who have done covers for Zenoscope and, uh, and, and also who sell T-shirts. Um, and like, I go there. I set up my table. I sell my books. Um, I try to do interviews with people. You know, I inter interview the, um, the, the, the celebrities that show up. I had a nice video interview with Butch Patrick. He was there with the, with the Monstermobile and the Dragula. Um, but I can't just go up to DC anymore. I just can't go up to Marvel anymore and talk about, you know, comics and, and um, I don't know. I miss those days back when, you know, it was all about fans. We need a comic, we need a comic convention now that's just the independent people who care about meeting their fans and building a rapport with them. Oh yeah. <clears throat> well, Jesse James went and uh, hit the road for about three or four days last week, like over the weekend. What a collection of 80 long boxes. Mm. The first time back in the store, the first show he did, everything was all like 80s and 90s indie stuff. There were, there were, there were a couple of others and I spent way more money, way more money than I wanted to, but I got an Elementals number one, the the naughty cover. Remember the naughty cover? No. Naked Fathom swimming with a dolphin. I missed that one. Is that something that slipped past the sensor, or they did it intentional, or? Uh, they they did it intentional, and I don't know how they how they how they did it it was like a slot a side profile of her like underwater swimming with a dolphin you know it, it's i was not a huge elementals reader when it came out and it didn't strike me that um michael turner's fathom was elementals fathom it is i believe so i didn't think it was 
could be. Michael <laughs> Michael's fathom is is blue, and the original fathom from Elementals is green. Yeah, I would. That's I'm just going off of something that Bill Willingham said on our show one time. He's like, you know, well, you know, bringing the Elementals back, they're they're all out there in different versions now. Uh, you know, the, and he mentioned the different Elementals that were in different books. Uh, I, I thought he mentioned Fathom. Now, it could, yeah, different version completely. But again, she's a water elemental. Uh, or she's a water character. I just looked up Elemental's number one naughty cover, and I'm not finding anything. That's okay. Maybe I should look up variant cover. Oh. That's uh, okay. So there's apparently the Elementals sex special. Way to go, Bill! I will. I will not share that and have your channel struck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I, uh, I got that, and I, uh, I also grabbed a. Uh, a really nice near mint copy of Cherry Bob Tot number three. Oh, I found it. I found it. She's she's covering she's covering her boob with her hand. Yeah. And she's she's not just swimming with a dolphin. He's kind of facing her and she's facing him. She's not on his back. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a mm-hmm. Dolphin which looks one, happy. Which the dolphin one will squeal first? Yeah. They both look happy. Uh um, I got another full, uh, full series run of uh, indie called uh, Lost Worlds. And he was asking twenty bucks for. It. I go, hey, would you take fifteen for that? Because that that one kind of caught my eye. Goes, yeah, I'll do that. The whole my Holy Grail comic at this point. Uh, at, well, at one point I was collecting. I, I was so deep in the Teen Titans that I was like, I'm going to get every appearance of the Teen Titans, even their solo stuff. So, you know, like, yeah, every appearance of Speedy and every appearance of Robin. And I'm like, oh, wait, that might be a bit much. But I but I did have all the way back to um, Brave and Bold 54 uh, when it wasn't even Teen Titans. It was just Robin, Kid Flash, and Aqualad. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so I had those. Uh, but, but my Holy Grail comic at that time and I would probably still get it if I had the money, uh, is House of Secrets 92, uh, on, on original. And and I, I recently learned something about that book. Um, Michael Kaluta cover. You, 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 you can probably see it in your head. You know the you know what the book looks like. Oh yeah. Do you know who the woman was? The I woman I've heard, I've heard this story before. Yeah. But I always forget who who Yeah, the woman the be. woman brushing her hair is Louise Simonson. And 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 Michael just used her as a model for drawing the picture. But yeah, that's just straight up her. I only heard that um a couple of months ago when uh Louise and uh Walter were on somebody's channel and talking about it. I was like, "Oh, that is cool." Yeah, man. Uh I bought the uh, I bought the facsimile of that when it came out a few months ago. Oh yeah, 
I, I bought the facsimile of that when it came out with the silver border way back when. <laughs> I probably still have that because I've got a I I've come across like a bunch of them. because uh, DC did the the millennial cop millennium copies. Did the millennium copies with like the the fake uh silver stamp seal on them. Yep. And uh Marvel had like a, a totally different look where it was like this big gray border around and they would shrink the cover down on the middle. So uh, I just, what did I just come across? Uh, I came across Marvel's uh, first reprint of Ghost Rider, first appearance, and uh, and like one or two others. I've got some Marvel, I'm not a huge Marvel reader, never was, but the issues I've got my, my wife worked at a comic shop in uh, North Carolina and it wasn't being run the best, but it got her out of the house and the guy paid her in comics and all she wanted was something to do. So she, he'd be like, you know, yeah, 25 bucks in comics every day you work here. Uh, and he, all he had was back issues and he didn't track anything. And she would be like, you know, some of these don't have prices on them. No cover. Okay. <laughs> So I've got like um, some single digit silver surfers. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's apparently and Overstreet still lists it this way. Silver surfer, I want to say 13. First appearance of Doomsday. That's wrong. And the cover of Silver Surfer is the coming of the Doomsday Man. And he's emerging from the street and he's wearing green bandages with gray goggles and he's got bone protrusions. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It... Wow. So, so if, you, if you've got that one, take a look at it, but uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh... No, I wasn't, I wasn't buying, I wasn't buying circum, but, uh, way back then, I I collected it here and there uh, over the years. I just found like a a four issue like story arc run that I I read uh, about a week or so ago, and it was it was entertaining, but it was entertaining. Because I could tell how bad the book was failing because anyone and everyone guest starred in these four issues. Oh, boy. It's the Fantastic Four. But it's after the death of Reed Richards. So Sue, of course, is a mess. So the Fantastic Four is just the dynamic duo of Ben and Johnny. Yeah. And something has happened and he, and he needs help. But, you know, going down the line, uh, like the, the end of the th third and uh, through the fourth part, uh, you get the Incredible Hulk, but it's, it's Smart Hulk from the Pantheon from when uh, oh yeah, that I was 
not a fan of the Pantheon series. And I, I love Peter David's Hulk, but that was not one of them. I was reading, I, I was reading Marvel for a period there, uh, different periods rather. I was, I was still always rather be reading DC, but when I was a kid and Secret Wars started up, I bought all the Secret Wars episodes uh, that came out. And I, I thought they did a really cool job of how they handled that because it was like everybody's issue just kind of ended with them being sucked into the Beyonders world. You're like, wow, everything, everything this month, everybody just disappeared into this thing. Something's happening. And then Secret Wars number one came out. And then it was going to be 12 issues before they get back home. But that same month, their next book came out and they're coming out of the warp. And here comes Spider-Man out with a black costume. And here comes Fantastic Four out without the thing. And you're like, what happened? Well, now I've got to read all 12 issues to find out how, how we got from here to there. Well, we want to talk about Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the millennium stuff. Yeah. Well, man, if I had the original, I'd be, I'd be selling that thing right now. <laughs> so some more stuff that I, that I bought is. Star-Lord. And the reason I did this is because you said. Secret Wars. Oh, look at you. Are those are those the original ones? Yes, these are the original ones. There's another one over there because that one's part of the actual set. I didn't think I had these, so... Oh, nice. That's me at 17. Uh, that's a photo from my yearbook. Uh, yeah, there, there's the... You can see the, the, the new Teen Titans number one, Baxter print behind mm -hmm. me there uh, and then all the secret wars books uh, all the barry windsor smith machine mans uh, new teen titan daniels one and two um ice man <laughs> the four issue miniseries um spider-man and the x-men in a marvel team up which i think was like the last issue of marvel team up yep and uh the the Anniversary issue of the New Teen Titans, which was the wedding of Donna Troy. All, all the yep. key issues were on my wall there. Uh, I did the same thing where I resized the the bag up a little bit. Yeah. So I, so I could stick push pins through them and I stuck them up all on my wall. Yep. That's what I did. I rolled, just rolled it up a little bit to where I had, you know, a, an overlap and, uh, Thumbtack right through it. Here's an original piece of art from Matt Wagner that he did for his friend Dan for a possible Tootsie role ad. Oh, it's Captain Tootsie. That's cool. He, he became a magic, uh, magic, a savage dragon character. Mm -hmm. I found this. Ah, uh, Iron Fist. In fact, that probably had uh, Fu Manchu in it as a villain, too. I wouldn't be surprised. 
Hey, William. Somebody's somebody's in the chat saying hi. Hey, it's William. Hey, Who's, Sam. We're sitting here talking comics. Yep. We've been doing it for almost three hours now. Yeah, it's about time we ended this. I do have work in the morning, so. But, uh, yeah, I didn't even realize I had, like, a full set of Secret Wars with with another number eight in it. Uh, I also don't remember buying uh, three first appearances of Dr. Afra, but. I've got those two. <laughs> I sniped those three number eights off of eBay at like two thirty, three, four, and five o'clock in the morning, something like that. Uh, one of them, one of them, I paid like thirty-five for. They got a good deal. You can't have too many copies of the first uh, appearance of basically Venom. And. Uh, the other two I got for like 20 bucks a piece. Oh, steal. You should go to jail for something like that. Yeah, I don't say that. That's mean. I'm already crippled. What am I going to do? Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you my last signature story um, for, for the night, and then, I'll, then I'm going to go to bed. And this is a signature I don't have and didn't get. So I was, uh, I forget where, where was I working? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I was on a business trip to Chicago for a class. And I took my wife with me and I was like, while we're here, we're going to go to this mall, which is, you know, only five miles away because there's a Warner brothers store there. And yes, I'm going to buy something. I know exactly what I'm going to buy. I'm going to go in. I'm going to buy a plate and get me another Alex Ross plate. I had the Alex Ross justice league plate where they were standing in a circle. Okay. <laughs> it's right over there. My brother from another mother. And we get to the mall and it's drizzling and it's cold and she doesn't want to get out. And she's like, can we just go back to the hotel? I'm cold. I'm tired. I don't feel good. And, and it was an outdoor kind of mall. You couldn't just walk right in the entrance and then be in. You had to walk like under this overpass and then around another building. And then you went mm -hmm. into the Warner Brothers store. I was like, okay, but tomorrow before we leave, I'm coming back. She's like, fine. Tomorrow, sunny day nice weather. I walk into the Warner Brothers store. We're in there. And they're like, can I help you with something? I'm like, yeah, I want to get one of those Alex Ross plates. Uh, I want the new, I want the Teen Titans because he did this one with the, uh, the, the oh, younger yeah, yeah. version of Teen Titans on. And I'm like, yeah, we'll be, you know, what, what's your name? Like, oh, my name's RJ Carter. I'm like, all right, we'll be right back. And I'm waiting and I'm looking around and I'm waiting and I'm looking around and I'm waiting. And she comes back. She's like, we can't find your plate. Like, oh, you don't have any of the Teen Titan plates? Oh, yeah, we have a bunch of stuff coming over there. Like, I'm not following. She's like, were you here yesterday? I'm like, no. Oh, we thought you were here when Alex was in the store signing them. Oh! And I looked at her and stared daggers. And I got a plate. And I got a poison ivy statue, and I got all kinds of good stuff because I was, I was not a happy person. I had to be made happy. 
And I have not forgotten that to this day. <laughs> I've got I've got three of his plates. I ordered the uh, the Spider Man plates that he did from Marvel. And every time they were supposed to come in the night before, Diamond would cancel the order. They'd relist them. We'd reorder them. They'd cancel the order. What were they doing? They were allocating them because they were doing the same thing with bags, boards, boxes, any kinds of supplies. Because Next Planet Over was in the same building with them. Yeah. They were right next door. And if Next Planet Over said, uh, we don't have any of these sold right now, but in case we do, we'd like to have them on hand and not have to, you know, call you and be like, do you have any of these? Yeah. Well, so they would, just, a... they would just take shit. And I'm like, that was well, the same I, thing with Midtown Comics being a distributor for comic books for DC. Uh, retailers mm-hmm. worried, you know, hey, there are competitors, you know, how can they be a distributor? And sure enough, you know, they would fill their own orders first. Of wow. course. I had the uh, I had the Green Lantern plate. Ooh, very nice. I want to get the Christmas plate. Which Christmas plate? Ah, the one with Batman looking in the window and Superman trimming the tree and, you know, beckoning him to come on in. Come on in and join the party. Okay, I don't have that one. I do have a Superman Alex Ross holiday plate where it's him flying Lois around in a snowstorm in Metropolis. Ah, I haven't seen that one either. Uh, But but yeah, this was a whole Justice League. They They were all inside, you know, keeping warm, opening presents, drinking cocoa. I have the Batman family in the cave. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, that's a nice one. But I gave my Justice League uh, plate uh, to a friend of mine for his birthday because he was a very big Justice League fan. And uh, he, he would I knew he would take good care of it and went to a good home. And I wasn't displaying them anymore because my stuff sat in boxes in a basement for years. And like, you know, when I finally got a basement of... You know, that was halfway furnished and had bookshelves. I'm like, this is my section of the house. Uh, it's, it's mine. I'm going to do podcasts here. I'm going to put my stuff up here. And I got everything out of the boxes. And now it's all boxed up again because I'm moving. So, <laughs> But for a short, brief, glorious time. And, and, and it was like, it was, a, it was a time of joy and a time of anger. Because all the boxes got emptied. And there were things missing. And, and, and they weren't huge things, but they were my things. Um, I had a stack, I want to say it was about 12, maybe it was 15, of postcards of the DC heroes drawn by George Perez, one per card. Ooh. Yeah, I had, I had those. And, and, and I had an extra one with Vigilante on it uh, as well. Uh, oh, man. So, so I, had, I had those. I still contend that they're in the house somewhere in a photo album. I think she took them out and she put them under the little plastic plate laying tray. I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, and I also had uh, the DC Heroes role-playing game uh, book. And, and in addition to that, I had the Justice League and the new Teen Titans 
Yeah, it wasn't that one, but I did, I did have, you know, that, this, that is just, this is just one of the, uh, yeah, one of the mods. Know, one of the mods. I, I have like, a, I bought like a, a few of them off of, off of people when they were like cheap enough. Yeah, I, I had the base, the base system, and I had um, the, these boxes of uh, pewter figures um, for the Justice League and the new Teen Titans, and I had been painting them and storing I, them, you know, in. I had the I had the new Teen Titans. Yeah, I attempted to paint them and then threw fits instead of punching holes in the walls because uh, I don't have an artistic bone in my whole. It was it body. was hard. I would I would take toothpicks and I would wet the tip of them and I would mash them down into something flat and then I would wet them again to keep them soft and I used that for paintbrushes to get into the little details and then the pointy ones were like dotting eyes and stuff with that. Yeah, but, I, I don't have patience for any of that shit. I, I wasn't very good at it, but I did my best. Uh, uh, Mayfair Games. Yes, it was Mayfair. But all right, well, I want to thank you for for hanging out. And it's been fun. I love sitting around talking comics, telling uh, you know talking comics and telling me all about uh, that uh, awesome new venture. We're, save, we're... save me one of Michael's books. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have money while he was up and up in the funding. Well, we'll we'll have we'll have extras. I'm sure we better have extras. That's the plan. Uh, so, yeah. When, when, once we got over overstock, we we will we'll let you know. Okay, you'll get taken care of. Coolness. So, uh, thank you very much. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna end this, and then I will start downloading. Uh, the audio version and the video version. And I will put those up tomorrow on both Rumble and my podcast platform. All right. So good night, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. See ya.